first rule in grip sport is you tell everyone about grip sport. You're crushing conscript thick bar wrists. If the best guy in the world can't lift 100 pounds on it, I, I don't give a shit about it. All right, everybody, this is Zach Mullins, your host for The Grip Show. Um, welcome you to another episode here, and I have uh, another interview for you guys. And this one's going to be uh, a little bit different. We'll get into all that. But uh, right now with me, I have Jalen Worley, also known as W Grip. So if anybody wants to find him anywhere, um, pretty much just Instagram, right? Or uh, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Okay. Okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't do much on TikTok. Like out, I have it because I feel like a lot more people use it, but it's a pain in the ass to keep updated. So I, Instagram is my main place. So okay, yeah, yeah. So W Grip. Um, it, it, a lot of people probably have already been familiar with you or at least seen you know some of your lifts at least within the community. But for anybody that's not, um, yeah, W Grip or Jalen Worley, and uh, like I said, and if you're not following him, well, maybe during this interview. Yeah, yeah, do it. Or during this interview, we're going to let you know why maybe you should be following him and checking out some stuff. So uh, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, man, just welcome to the show in general. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having so, yeah. me. It's really, really cool. Um, now, recently, we had a uh, a short clip I released with Chaz Strange, and it was from his episode where he was kind of breaking down the Mash Monster ladder for the grip board. And <laughs> I hate to kind of regurgitate what I've already said a little bit from this, but uh, basically the grip board is like an old school grip form. It's been around for probably a couple decades um, or close to it. And if anybody isn't familiar with it, you can check out the, uh, the clip I have with Chaz where he kind of breaks it down, but essentially what makes this uh, mash monster gripper certification unique is the fact that everybody closes the same gripper. So you don't get that, uh, you know, five to 20 pound variance in the RGC or the rating of the gripper that you could potentially have with uh, an iron mind cert where they just send you a random number three or a random three, five, uh, 3.5, you know, that th those things could vary so much. So when you do this ladder that Jalen's getting ready to uh, attempt one of these grippers, and we're going to talk about that, but uh, when you do this ladder, there's no questions that anybody is closing an easier or a harder one. It's the same shit. So when they do it, it's, it's definite. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Um, now you've summed it up nicely. Uh, it's really cool that it's all the same gripper because you can go to mashmonster.com and look at the list of everyone who's done it. And just to know, like, you're like closing the same one that like some of the big names, you know, like Paul Knight and like just, Dave Morton and like all these legends of the, you know, the sport, right. Like that came before us to know that you're doing the same thing that they're doing. Um, albeit in better conditions. Cause we, we know a little bit more about how to train and stuff, but uh, it's really cool to be doing the same things that they were and seeing where you stack up with history. Absolutely. Um, and just so we're going to kind of, I guess, throw this out there for everybody. Um, you have, well, you've received the gripper today right? Probably not too long ago. So yes, he has the packaging here. So what's going to be a little different is a lot of times, um, like I said, people are filming this and, uh, you know, they, they send in their attempt, it gets judged, all that stuff. There's, there's rules for the certification, but to my knowledge, I don't know if anyone's ever actually done their attempt in conjunction with a show or an interview. So that's something that, uh, me and you kind of talked about and came up with on the spot. I thought it was a pretty cool idea. Yeah. And, uh, 
you seem to kind of almost uh, welcome that pressure or want that pressure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I eat pressure. Like um, anything I can do to make things as hard as possible, like short of like doing completely psycho things. Right. But yeah. uh, to do this, because so this is cool because with this gripper, the MM7, I did the MM6 last week. And immediately, as soon as I sent the MM6 back to Canon, I requested the 7. Um, yeah. I haven't trained since I closed the MM6. So I don't right. really know where I stand with this thing. So I'm confident in myself that I'm going to close it here with you. But I could also fail. But part yeah. of doing it this way is because I want to condition my competitive mindset and my like the mental part of this game, I want to condition it as much as I can. So as I continue to progress through grippers, arm lifting, like pressure's nothing, right? So yeah. this is this is fun. This is cool. This is going to be something cool for everybody to see. But at the same time, it's also it's a it's like a training tool for me to do it this way. Absolutely, so I'm yeah. super I'm super pumped about it. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of a cool aspect you're bringing up, and that's something that uh, kind of sets you apart in some ways from a lot of people that we've seen in grip. Um, so far, like I said, because I mean, I would say you're newer to grip in the sense that like the last year or so really have kind of. Yeah, I started almost yeah. exactly a year ago. OK, yeah. yeah. But you've pulled off some, I mean, insane certifications, some great lifts and uh, had great progress so far. So uh, what he has with him is the MM7. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. There's mm-hmm. only been eight people that have closed that and done this process. Yep. If I touch the handles today, I'll be number nine. Since I think 2011 okay. is when the first time I think Paul Knight's the first, um, he closed it 2011, I believe. Okay, so, so if the, it, last, yeah, for, the last one to do it is David Shamey from Russia. So. Okay, yeah, and if anybody's familiar with the names Paul Knight and Dave Shamey, uh, you understand the territory we're talking about when it comes to this feat. So, yeah. Yeah, and if yeah. you're not familiar with those names, go check them out. Yep, because you should know those names. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, if uh, if Jalen uh, pulls this off for us here, um, this is going to be you know him being the ninth person joining this list, um, and like I said, it's uh, pretty much one of the most foolproof gripper certifications you can do, just in the sense that pretty much once uh, once he unboxes this gripper, um, what's the time limit? Is it fifteen minutes or At fifteen minutes to do three attempts? Okay. Um, I'm probably only going to go for one um, because I'm competing with you on Saturday and I want to limit the damage to my, uh, my, uh, muscles and tendons. <laughs> now, now is that a thing with the mash monster? Is that a, do you have to take all three attempts or is that just kind of an insurance thing in case there's the yeah. issue with the camera or what's happened in the past is that some guys have like filmed their footage with like a potato, like a really poor camera. Right. And it's blurry or they can't get a still frame of the handles touching. So They want three attempts um, just so you have more than one is like an insurance policy, like you said. Um, But if you've seen any of my closes, uh, you know, on the first one, I overcrush the thing and I hold it close as long as I can. So there's no question. Um, So if I get it today, I'm going to do one close, but it'll be definitive that I won't have to do the other two. Uh, I might just do them like playing around just so I can say I did three. But gotcha. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go all out on three attempts here. If I do miss the first one, then I'll probably go hard on the second. But kind of regroup, yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to miss. Okay, um, and like I said, I mean, as we kind of roll through the interview, I mean, he's going to be taking his warm up attempts and kind of doing his thing, 
And uh, like I said, he's just kind of going at his own pace now because the this certification is really the priority right now, even though we're kind of mid-interview. Um, so uh, I'm kind of letting him do his thing while we kind of touch on some of these subjects. But uh, yeah, really just trying to uh, familiarize people with what's going on because the mash monster ladder has been around for a long time. Like I said, I just posted a clip last week with Chaz talking about it. Um, but it, it's a really, a really unique certification. And in recent years, um, you're probably, I don't know. Do you know when you said Dave Shamey was the last to do it? You think it was, it's almost been exactly two years since he did it. Okay, I was going to say, so this really hasn't been, I mean, no one's really requested the MM7 or took a shot at it in a while. No, no one's, I'm, since he sent it, since Cannon put it up after David sent it back, I'm the next one to touch it since then. So Okay, so this thing hasn't been touched in two years pretty much. Yep. So that's what we're looking at right now. So I, I just want to put that out there for everybody um, so that, just so they're like, you know, okay, whatever, he's got a gripper, what's that mean? Well, okay, we're trying to explain to you the magnitude of what this is and uh, what's going on. So, yep. And Jalen's going to be unwrapping this and doing everything right here in front of us. Um, he has a second camera rolling to capture different angles and everything, just so this can be foolproof. In seven. Yep. Can see the seven there. MM. And the MM. Yep. Cool. Yep. So there it is. All right. Um, can see it in the table there. Yep. It's on the table. Yep. You're good. You're in frame. And like I said, you can make sure you're on your second camera as well. But yep. for, for my video, you're in my frame. But yeah, cool. as long as that other camera's looking good, you're good. Okay. Yep. I'm going to chalk up here. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I guess like one of the things we were talking about before we started filming here was, you know, Zach was being very mindful and kind about respecting my process of how I get ready for this. Um, I film almost every close that I do. I think I can't say I filmed every close that I've done, but I film every workout because uh, you have to train the filming if you're going to do this kind of thing, because that's where most gripper certs go wrong uh, is the filming. You either aren't in frame all the way or your lighting sucks or uh, there could be a number of things that go wrong. Uh, so, you know, I'm pretty chill. I do this a lot. So the filming part is really no big deal. Um, I'm actually feeling pretty good, even though I know a lot of people are going to watch this. So, uh, yeah, Zach, you can talk a little bit about whatever's on your mind. I'm going to stand up here, okay. uh, get things in yeah, position, um, hit yeah, my own, and yeah. I'm going to slam this thing shut. Okay, yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of quiet down whenever you go to do the attempt or whatever, but uh, a lot of good points that he's talking about because filming and documenting the gripper close is almost or probably just as important as closing the gripper for these certifications. You have to do it. So the filming is every month every much um, as part of a process as uh, or every bit as important as the clothes itself or the training you're doing with the gripper is being able to document it and have that definitive proof. Um, so I, I've fallen victim to that. I did the MM zero, which is just taking a random number three and closing it. And the first time I sent it in, I had shitty filming and I know the handles touched but there was like certain points in the video where like you could see like gaps of daylight. And then I like, but I know it was closed at some point, but it was shit filming and it wasn't good. And uh, I got failed. So yep. I technically did it, got failed, but then I was like, well, okay, go back to the drawing board, you know, train this a little bit more, did some more gripper work. And like two weeks later, like 
slammed it, held it like you said, and then it was like, okay, boom, three white lights, you're good to go. So I did do the MM0, but I had to do a second try because my filming was shit. So absolutely. Um, Even if you're not doing a certification, getting those practice reps in filming is Mm -hmm. part of the game. Yep. So you want, you want everything to feel normal. You don't want anything to just, you know, throw you for a loop at the last minute. Yeah. You start changing, which is is exactly why I agreed to do it live in an interview, you know? Yeah. Well, you don't want to, you don't want to get to that point. And then you start, you know, changing where you're standing or changing the angle of your hand. And I mean, you're just doing what you always do. Yep. Cause I mean, you're, you've, you've trained it. So. All right, man. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go here. So awesome. Um, and enjoy the show. All right, so right now we're getting ready to gear up for Jalen attempting the MM7, and he will be the ninth person ever if these handles touch. There it is. That's easy, man. (laughs) How long can I go? Destroyed it. (sighs) Man. No, that's that's awesome to see. <laughs> that was fucking good, it, dude. It, 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 I mean, I mean that almost. I, we'll we'll get into it, man. But uh, how did that? Uh, how how did that feel? Because it looked easy. It felt good. Um, it didn't feel too much different than the MM6. Okay, but I recover very quickly, um, and. I don't want to sound arrogant or anything, but I have, I have gained strength at such a crazy pace. I'm, I feel like I'm going up one or two RGC a workout and it hasn't stopped. It's insane. Okay. Uh, yeah. So like when I was getting ready for the MM6, I was struggling with this uh, super elite that I have. It's 195. Um, I, in two workouts, I went from being like six millimeters away to like one in two workouts. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't really know what's happening, um, but just to get some insight into like what goes on in my mind during a close, maybe help somebody train and get better. Like you can see, like I'm out of breath, right? Like that was hard. Like I put effort into that. Oh yeah. Um, I always overcrush. I hold it as long as I can. I don't do reps. My close style is different than most people's. I think you see a lot of people that do fast, fast closes. They try to make a noise when the handles touch, right? I'm a more slow, like hydraulic kind of style. Um, so rep work doesn't really work for me, like physiologically. So I overcrush, I hold it as long as I can. And if you notice on almost every close I do, I hold the negative as slow. I let it go as slowly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a big reason why I've gotten so strong so quickly on these things is I maximize the contraction. I hold the static and I, prolong the negative and if you know anything yeah. about mike mincer in high intensity training that works for me so i try to focus on all three aspects of a, a lift or a close mm-hmm. uh, and it seems to be working for me so a little yeah, insight and, how to do things and yeah and, and, and thanks for sharing that insight with anybody that's watching or listening right now because like we've i mean everybody has different hands different methods different stuff there, there's a lot of different paths that lead to you know whatever somebody's next goal may be but 
when you're kind of looking up that ladder and like, I know we're literally talking about a figurative ladder, like the mash monster ladder, but like when you're looking up and you see those guys that are higher up than you at something, it's usually good to tune in, you know? So when, when someone like you is sharing this advice, if you're out there wanting to close big grippers or you're wanting to chase these certs, um, Jalen is somebody to listen to. And like I said, the proof is in the close. The proof is in the videos, you know, the proof is in the training. So, this isn't somebody selling you some BS or, you know, some theory it's being, uh, you know, it's delivered and acted out right before you. Um, it's proved. Yeah. And if you followed my YouTube at all, um, you'll see I've trained my training. I've changed my training methodology four or five times in the year that I've been doing it because it has a lot to do with like my career background too, which we can get into later. But mm-hmm. one of the things you, I've learned is like you fail fast. So when something's not working, you acknowledge it and you move on, right? You don't sit there and try to like force something to work. It's either going to work or it's not. And like with lifting and especially grip sport, like if you don't feel an improvement from the last time you worked out from whatever you did, it probably isn't a good thing to keep doing. You should feel like you're getting stronger, at least in some aspect of a lift every workout. And so if I'm not getting that satisfaction of like, Hey, I feel stronger than last time. If I've recovered properly and I've my yeah. nutrition's in check like if everything else is good then I should get stronger every workout um, not in like not like huge jumps but I should mm-hmm. feel some improvement either another rep or I held it longer I lifted it higher whatever uh, so I'm not afraid to like change what I'm doing and now I've stumbled upon the kind of my routine now which my workout is super low volume but high intensity I don't do more than probably three to five closes a workout and then yeah. I do that once a week five closes a week and I'm getting this strong on these things. Yeah. And and, and that might be something that like I was going to say earlier was uh, you kind of spoke about how quick these jumps are coming and how, uh, how fast you're kind of climbing up with these things. Mm -hmm. A big part of that might just be the recovery. I mean, you said you didn't do anything since the last time you touched the MM Mm six and then the MM seven shows up and okay, you know, yeah. Slam shut. So I I think a part of that is, um, and, and I've used this for a lot of, a lot of years. Um, a lot of people are familiar with like Jim Wendler, um, former power lifter, a lot of other things, wrote the programming for, you know, 531 method. And all, uh, there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, but Jim Wendler has been like in the strength world for a long time. But one of his quotes that I always kind of like, I guess, followed is sometimes it's what you don't do in the weight room that makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying right now with these gripper attempts um, or the amount of volume you're putting into your training, you know, sometimes it's not doing 50 gripper closes in a workout and yep. you know shredding your arm and then coming back two days later to do it again. It's like that yep. might not lead to any progress. So sometimes it's, you know, doing less reps and putting that shit away. And it's, recovering. it's more pronounced with grippers too, because you can overtrain grippers so easily. Like you can get into a phase where you can like, let's say you could close, um, let's pick a number. Say you could close 165 from a mash monster set. If you trained every other day, you would eventually get to a point where you couldn't close like a 140. Your body wouldn't do it. And you get yeah. frustrated and you quit, right? Because you would, if you didn't know how important recovery was, you wouldn't understand what was going on with your body. Um, keep talking. I'm going to do another attempt here. I'm yeah. I'm not yeah. 100% sure about my set. I think, I don't know if my set was too narrow or not. Um, okay. Did you see? Or did you notice? Uh, man, I, I honestly, I, I don't really remember the set. I just basically was watching for the handles to touch. And then, I mean, yeah. it was like, and within like, a fraction of a second, they were closed. So I was like, okay. I never, I never set to parallel. I always do crazy wide sets, which is another mm-hmm. thing I like to do to kind of set myself apart from everyone else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's good, but I'm going to do another attempt here just in case. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No problem, man. All right, so Jalen's going to go ahead and give us his uh, second attempt here on the MM7, just double-checking that the uh, the set was wide enough. Um, I believe it was, but like I said, it's hard to go off memory. We're just kind of doing this in the moment. It can't be narrower than parallel. So Yeah. not sure if i got that one that uh that looked like there might have been a slight like a slight gap in it i don't know if they touched at some point but i'm pretty sure the first one's good but this yeah is how you do the three attempts right you get three chances to make sure you're good now yeah. i know i'm not gonna i'll do a third this is a formality just to say i did the third but we'll wait yeah. here in a bit. but um <laughs> that's one of the things like <laughs> i say like most of this is automatic um I'm super paranoid because like I'll, I'll do the close cause I haven't failed one of these yet. I'll do the close and I'll feel super pumped. But then like this, like thought is like a worm in my brain. It's like, you said it too narrow. And then I'm like freaking out until I can stop the video and like go and look because yeah. it has to be continuous video. Um, yeah. Yep. I can't do like a segmented thing. So oh, yeah. once we're done here, I'll stop it and I'll take a look and then I can. Yeah calm down but in my mind i'm like ah the first one was too narrow it was too narrow but yeah i'm pretty sure it was good it's the same thing with like judging lockout for any kind of feat like you do it and you kind of feel like you stuck the landing but until you get back to that video you're like oh that pause wasn't long enough or that that wasn't high enough you're just keeping yourself in check keeping yourself accountable you know and i I think i think that's important for anybody doing this stuff because uh, a lot of people kind of like to settle and uh you know i don't i don't want to say they don't think that way but they're, they're content with the bare minimum. And I think that having that mindset to kind of like, you know, even when you slam something shut and it's perfect, you're still like thinking about improving it or, you know, was that as good mm-hmm. as it could have been? You're, you know what I mean? The wheels are already turning. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just going to do a third squeeze here just as a formality. Um, okay. Yeah. Yep. When I get super into it, you ready? Are you pumped? You want to see this? Let's do it. <laughs> Tip number three. Uh, okay. I'm done. <laughs> okay now if i lose if i lose this saturday well it's because of this thing right so uh, yeah no i'm, I'm no good I'll, I'll be no i'll problem. be fully, i'll be fully recovered before heavy ends but uh thank you man that was really <laughs> cool to do that on on this show with you that no man awesome. I, I appreciate you uh you know just you know uh i guess having the courage to do it and throw it out there like i said whether you you know, whether you slam it shut and it looks awesome or whether, I mean, you could have just as easily, I mean, you don't know what you're getting into. I mean, yeah. you, you could have had a half inch gap and, you know, look stupid. That could happen. Yeah. But I think that that's part of the game. You know, I mean, yeah. if you knew, if you knew you were always going to win or you were always going to close it or everything was going to go perfect, then like, what's the point of even playing the game? Right. So. Yeah. And it, on my, my post, like you state your intentions on the grip board when you want to do one of these things. Right. Yep. So in my post, I stated, like, I wanted to throw it back on this one to the guys who came before me, the Paul Knights and Dave Morton's and Tim Struess and all those guys, mm-hmm. like, they had no idea what this thing was going to be. Right. I have the benefit of anecdotal information from the guys who've touched it in the past to have an idea of where it sits. Mm-hmm. But the first, like Paul Knight had no idea what this thing was when he was the first person to try it. And he slammed yeah. it's kind of like uncharted territory. Yeah. I mean, the only way I'm going to get to experience that is when I get to the 10 and that's, what's driving me to get through every single one of these. Cause I want to, yeah. I want to feel what that's like One, no one's touched it. Nobody's yeah. touched it. It's and good. that's one uh, that you wrote down here in your list. 
yep. for our future goals yep. was the MM10. So I mean, you're you're just going up. You know, I mean, you're, you're I mean, you have full intentions to close everything. There's yeah. not like a well, I'll be one, content one if I get grouper to at a time. But I have a I have an overall goal to get there. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I guess real quick, we'll just keep. Uh, like I said, I guess the, the hottest item so far is. I mean, you just close the MM7 on the show. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not a judge. I'm no authority figure. So what I say or what I see, it doesn't really mean shit anyway, but looked good to me. Yeah. Handles were closed for a, a good you know portion of time, but uh, I just want to get your thoughts on it. Um, so with you ha- just having done the cert and everything, mm-hmm. um, how, how did you feel about that? I felt good, man. There was a, there was a little moment before that, the, the handles touch. I was like, is this going to be like a one millimeter miss? Um mm-hmm. As I said, it didn't feel too far off from the MM6, and people said the MM6 looked easy. None of these are easy, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm out of breath still, and I'm just squeezing a thing, right? So, and I'm in pretty good shape. So, uh, yeah, like, to be out of breath, and, like, my brain is kind of fried, like, my nervous system's kind of fried right now. Like, mm-hmm. I put all all my energy and effort into it. Um, so, if it looked easy, that's great, but it did not feel easy. Um, but yeah, there was a moment where I thought, okay, this is going to be a one millimeter miss, which is okay. Like if I'm going to miss, I'd rather it be closer than lighter, you know? Yeah. Uh, but once I felt the handles touch and I say, Oh, there it is, you know, um, kind of waiting for that resistance to, you know, open back it's, up. It's weird. It's like, it almost feels like it stops when the handles touch, like it does stop moving, but it feels like the resistance goes away and it's almost easier to hold it than it is to get that final millimeter. Yeah. No, no, uh, I, 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 I can relate. Like I said, with much smaller grippers, but I, I can relate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, like mentally, you know, it's just uh, when we were talking the other night when this idea came up, you know, I, I messaged Cannon, Matt Cannon, Cannon Powerworks, and I was like, hey, can I, can I do a rep on the MM7 on the grip show? Then he's like, why don't you just do your cert attempt? I was like, ooh, pressure. Yeah, like it. And that's where the idea <laughs> came from. And so, yeah, uh, that's good to have that manifest, like just from us shooting the shit, you know, and then to get the, the guy who holds on to these things involved and he suggests it. And then we all are like super excited about it. Um, and then, so the idea comes about and then to make it happen and touch the handles, like it feels, it feels amazing. You can't be. Yeah. And that's like you said, I mean, you're, I don't say like you're, you know, you're calling your shot kind of, but I mean, that's kind of what you've been doing with some of these things. I mean, you're, you're setting these goals and you're just knocking them out. Yeah. I have, I have inimitable confidence in myself and I want to show people like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I want, I want people to see like my work and like appreciate what I'm doing. And, you know, I care about the respect of my peers in this sport, but mostly like what was, what was going through my head, honestly, and this is no bullshit. um, In my head, I was like, it would almost be better if I miss because then I can, everybody out there who like, social media you just see like everyone's bench pressing 800 pounds and deadlifting a thousand and like nobody fucks up right Mm -hmm. i want people to see like you can fail it's fine it's totally like like reality you know i mean yeah yeah like i was at the shaw classic it was just down the road here a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah. down the road from where i live and i mean i'm watching these guys who are like the best the strongest on the planet and no one's ever going to touch and they're failing in front of thousands of people they don't give a shit. They just come out and do the next event. So it was like, yeah, there's a, there's something to that. So it's like, okay, why? Like I had ideas to like start doing like maybe the last couple mash monsters in front of people. So it's even cooler that this came about, but I wanted to say, you know what? I want to put it out there and I want people to see a high level 
you know, Brit person, like maybe falling flat on his face and yeah. it's okay. It's okay to fail. Like if you don't fail, then something's not right. Either you're a, you're a superhuman freak or you're not trying hard enough. You're not challenging yourself enough. So, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that goes undefeated or, yeah. you know, if it's a power lifter, they're going nine for nine, every meet, they always set PRs. I mean, it's just not reality. So yeah. I think, uh, like I said, opening yourself up to that, uh, mm. I don't want to say criticism, but opening yourself up to that possibility. Just reality. Um, I want, I want, I want people to know, like, I don't know. (laughs) The word fake is kind of controversial right now. I don't want to get into that, but uh, I want people to see like what I'm doing is real. And the advice that I give people is real. And I'm, I'm, I care about this. Like, this is what I'm into. So I'm going all out with it, you know, and I want people to enjoy the ride with me. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, uh, just to kind of dive in on some of this other stuff, um, like I said, and and we might bounce back to the MM7 or these attempts or, you know, reference these other things, but, uh, you kind of mentioned the, uh, the Shaw classics. You're talking about some of the best strongmen in the world. Right. And, you know, you're down there watching them. And like you said, these are the best people at what they do. And I know from like watching some of the reviews of it, I mean, there's, certain events that like half the pack didn't even finish mm-hmm. and these are the best fun. yeah these are these are the best guys in the world and like they didn't even complete the event you know like half the pack um yeah. so that, that just shows you i mean the standard of like what they're striving for how hard some of that stuff was but i, I bring that up because you know you're talking about basically watching the world's best right there you know right down the road mm-hmm. and then from the notes um you pretty much have that you know you were out of shape at one point in time Mm-hmm. And you you weren't necessarily as fit or as strong as you were right now. Yeah. And one of the things that kind of got you, I guess, that kick in the ass to kind of get up and get going mm-hmm. was uh, you got hooked on World's Strongest Man. Uh, so yeah. you, you're, you're kind of staying up late watching these reruns of World's Strongest Man, and yeah. you're seeing these dudes do this shit. So it's kind of funny that, like, you just referenced, uh, you know, being at the Shaw Classic, but that's yeah. also kind of what jump-started maybe some of your physical training back in the yeah. day. It's actually cool. It's actually cool. You connected those dots because yeah, I was very out of shape at one point in my life. I never worked out. I didn't play sports in high school. Everyone thinks I played football. I didn't do shit in high school. I played golf because I had a crush <laughs> on a girl who played golf and I wanted to be around her, but that was it. Um, I got out of high school, went to college, um, flunked out my first semester, just playing video games and chasing girls. Um, came back home and like reality kind of hit like, dude, mm-hmm. you got no prospects and you don't look good and you don't feel good. And, uh, one night I'm like staying up, you know, I'd stay up till two or three in the morning playing video games. When I get tired of video games, I'll watch TV and I'm, I'm probably eating like a bag of like flaming hot Cheetos and drinking a soda and eating ice cream, watching world's strongest man. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, these guys aren't doing this. They're not staying up till three in the morning, putting this crap in their bodies. And I kind of hit like a really low point and I'm not going to do like triggering one anything here, but I hit a very low point in one of those moments. And I just kind of told myself, it was like, it's two in the morning. It's February. It's freaking cold. If I can't go out and run two miles right now, what is my worth? You know? And I kind of challenged myself. Like I never ran, you know, like, yeah, I played tag as a kid. That's probably like the extent of like my running experience. Right. So I go out and I push myself and I run, my town was like this mile by mile square. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I run from one end of town to the other and back and I did it. It took me forever, but I did it. And so the next day I went out and bought a weight set and that's kind of how it all just started. And, you know, uh, 
yeah, World's Strongest Man was very inspiring to me. And then to go to the Shaw Classic and watch that in person and then to kind of get this same inspiration of like Brian Shaw said it after he won. He said, I wrote on my board and I look at it every day and it says, be great. And I thought, well, what does that mean for what I'm doing? And part of it is being real, being genuine with people, pushing yourself to the limit, taking chances. And so this was an opportunity for me to be great, you know, at what I like doing. So no, absolutely. Um, that inspiration just keeps flowing, you know? And so I try to expose myself, like I'm not an expert on strongman, but I try to expose myself to as much just high level sports as I can, because you get so many life lessons from, from sports. Like it's a lot it's of it. Uh, say a lot of it carries over. I mean, being somebody that, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of had the opposite growing up, I guess, where uh, I guess we're like, I, I played like three sports. So, I mean, I was always running, always out of practice, always doing shit, always having to perform, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then uh, you just carry that into like, well, what am I doing next? Well, you know, then I got into like, uh, you know, MMA and grappling for a long time, doing a lot of striking shit and different stuff. So, I mean, and then that was like my favorite thing for probably most of the last decade, Um, you know, coaching and and training with everybody and doing stuff like that. And, uh, but there's so many ways that like, how I lifted for football helped the way that I trained for a fight or the way I trained Mm -hmm. for a fight carried over into this grip training. It's like it all, once you understand kind of how to connect the dots or how to train, it's like you can almost apply that to anything in life. It doesn't have to be, well, okay, well, if it's, this is grip, it's different. It's like, it's not, it's like, it's kind of that same thing. Like you're saying, you know, like uh, I don't like copy the thing, like, you know, be great, but it's like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm you can pretty much execute that blueprint across the board in any of these aspects. So I basically just took whatever I learned from team sports or individual sports. And then, you know, you just kind of, I don't know, form, you form a way that pretty much allows you to be able to do what you said earlier, kind of be able to kind of call those audibles and on the fly, you can adapt your training. So when I smack into one wall, okay, well, I've already encountered this before with, you know, however many different sports I can bounce off and do this or that. So I think that it's uh, you putting yourself out there or even like, I, I do the same thing. Even if it's not a sport I I compete in, mm-hmm. I will watch it and probably pick up something from it. Like I just an example real quick. Um, you watch arm wrestling at all? A little bit. Yeah. See, yeah, I mean, I, I have never arm wrestled. I mean, I don't really have any intentions of ever arm wrestling but I could watch the shit all day mm-hmm. and I will take pieces of a sport that I have no intentions of competing in, but I can still like look at what they're doing, the way they're moving their hand or, you know, and I'll walk away from that with some shit that I'm going to take back into my own training or my next, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's yeah. just finding value in whatever you're watching. Yeah. So like, you're not doing strong man, but you can see the value in it. And it's like, it's going to come to your gripper training. It's going to, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was jujitsu, I mean, you've done a lot of different things. So being able to apply that in multiple fields, I think is important. Yeah. And there was an arm wrestling contest at the Shaw classic and, you know, I'm sitting kind of far away from it. So you can't really see what's going on unless you're watching the big screen. But the one thing I took away from that wasn't even anything technical. It was the competitive mindset of these guys, how they get in each other's heads, the psychological oh, yeah. part. And it's more intense than MMA. Like the psychological, like Devin Marat, you ever watch him? Like, oh, yeah. like yeah. that's insane, man. So to see that in person, those guys getting that way, like that was intense. Like I was pumped. It was well, awesome. I'm saying they, I mean, they, they'll, they'll take 10 minutes just to get set up on a table. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? The, the, the match is short, but it's like the, the gamesmanship going back and forth and that strategy and just, you know, psychological stuff is the, is the bulk of it. Um, so no, I, like I said, I, I think that's cool, but I wanted to make that connection from the world's strongest man kind of jumpstarting you. And then literally, you know, a week or two ago, you're, you're watching these same people and you're still applying it to your training today. Absolutely. So yep. I, th- I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, you said it earlier too, like watch guys who were considered at the top of their field, right? Like those are the guys you need to pay attention to. So they were all down there and it's like, watch every little thing they do. You can pick up on a million things. I'll probably go back and watch the replay sometime just to see what I did miss. Uh, yeah. I find that fascinating too. So good topic, man. That's a good discussion. No, for sure, man. And uh, so you're currently, like you said, the Shaw Classic was just down the road. So mm-hmm. you're, you're located in Colorado. Yep. Um, but you're originally from Texas. Um, yes. Is there anything you'd want to explain? Like what, what, uh, I guess what sparked that kind of move? Not that it's that big of a move. It's not really crazy on the map, but uh, yeah. Anything in I particular? Lived, I lived in the Panhandle. So like from where I'm at now, north of Denver, uh, it's like a six, seven hour drive to my parents' house. I still live down there. So it's very close. Okay. Uh, not okay. far at all. Um, I moved out here mostly for work, but I always wanted to get up here. I had some cousins who lived in Southeast Colorado and I would come spend the summertime with them. And I always loved it up here. Um, and then I like the mountains. I like getting out and hiking, uh, camping in the back country, stuff like that. So it's just somewhere that I knew I wanted to be. Um, so that was a big goal that I had and, uh, didn't have a whole lot of prospects like I had mentioned earlier. So in addition to getting my body right, I had to get my mind right and find something that I'm good at and, I'm in technology. Uh, I manage like an, a team of engineers now. Um, okay. So I work from home, uh, but I live here in Colorado. I have a great view of the mountains out my window. And uh, yeah, I love it here, man. Texas was cool. I liked growing up there. Um, but as I got older, I just didn't fit in uh, socially. Like it's just a different kind of culture down there. And I don't mean political. I just didn't yeah. feel the kind of people there. Um, and not that they're bad people. I just, I always felt like an alien there. And so uh, I feel more at home here. I feel like I could be, I could be myself. Gotcha. Um, so with, uh, with the move and everything being in Colorado, you got your training going. Um, you mostly train out of a home gym, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. So what was, uh, you know, you make that move to Colorado. What is that like kind of, uh, I guess, prioritizing that home gym or getting that set up? I mean, is that one of the first things you kind of set up or did that take a while or. So I've been out here for just about 11 years now and when I first moved here, we had to get like an apartment and then a townhouse. And I just built a house out here like two years ago. So uh, until I was able to get out here where I had like a full basement, uh, yeah. I had to go to like public gyms or like try to find ways okay. to train myself. And for all the reasons I'm sure you can think of, <laughs> I, I hate public gyms. Uh, I, I'm right there with you, man. I Yeah. Like. Before I before I moved to the the house that we're in now, I found kind of a hardcore, more hardcore like athletic club, yeah. and I could go there and I could feel comfortable like deadlifting, like getting intense, you know. And mm-hmm. like you go to some of these places and you put three fifteen on the bar, like people are already like complaining or like it's weird, like they don't like egos are getting in the way. I don't know. It's just it's not. Yeah. So no, I yeah, it's a I don't know. It, it just doesn't make sense, you know. It's yeah. like especially if you look back into like. Uh, Ah, and like I said, we don't have to go on a big tangent about it, but I mean, I, I just think about like, you know, what did, uh, what did different weightlifting clubs and, you know, what did different public gyms look like back in the 50s, 60s, 70s? Were people complaining that someone was, was too strong? Did they complain that weights were getting banged on the floor? Yeah. It just seems pretty stupid to me. 
yeah. know, and I, I, I just don't know where or when that shift occurred or when that became like uh, a thing that people fell for or got into. Yeah. I, I really, I can't wrap my head around it either. Um, it's, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the priority, like I, when we built the house is like, there's a basement and it's mine. You all can have the rest of the house. The basement is mine. <laughs> it's mine. So, so and, and now you have a pretty sweet setup because like, I think you did a video the other day where you kind of showed like your power rack, you had like another, yeah. Uh, like bar you set up for like a Viking press yeah, and, and you had all kinds of stuff set up. So, I mean, you got, and then you counted all the grip stuff. I mean, you have a pretty sweet setup, so you probably don't have any reason to train anywhere else unless you just want to. Yeah. I mean, like if I have like, you know, want to go train with a friend or something, you know, yeah. I could do that, but yeah, everything's at the house. I have a six post rack downstairs and I can do squat bench, everything on it. Um, I got that landmine thing racked now so I can do the Viking press. Then I've got a deadlift platform where I do, deadlifting and the the arm lifting stuff without breaking the floor um but here in like my little office that's like part of my bedroom where all the grippers are on the wall like mm-hmm. the grippers stay up here like i sleep next to these things that's okay. how that's how obsessed i am with this so you can't see it but just right over here is my bed so i'm like between my bed and this desk here yeah um, so i have the grippers in here because i like to train in here um for whatever reason i don't know why i i think this is where i started doing it about a year ago before i had all this stuff and it's just familiar to me and I don't have to think too much about it. Um, so I, I just think it it's one less thing to take off your mind when you're training uh, and you can just Absolutely, get, man. get in the zone. So, and uh, bringing up the grippers. Um, one of the things you mentioned in the notes to me was you're doing some insane gripper closes. Mm-hmm. I mean, for somebody their first year um, you've pulled off. I mean, you just did an amazing gripper close for us today, um, but you've done other, you know, other big closes in your training and everything else in our sport. I'll say there are certain people that kind of specialize in stuff and sometimes they can get a little one dimensional. You've made it very clear that although you're pulling off these monstrous gripper closes, Mm -hmm. you're not a gripper guy. You don't want to be known as a gripper guy. You're going and taking the same approach of these gripper closes um, into the competitive realm and all these other aspects of uh grip that's yeah. is that accurate yes absolutely um i started off just wanting to do grippers and then i just kind of realized like wow like I'll, I'll watch people like doing hub tricks and stuff and like that looked cool to me and then i realized like i'm only training one area of grip and grippers don't really apply much to anything else like they'll help you with dick bar a little bit but because but not really um in fact like training thick bar and grippers at the same time it's just going to kind of cancel out your recovery uh so you have to be really strategic in how you train but but yeah i i wanted to do the arm lifting stuff um so i bought like a hub and like kind of the standard stuff you know then i started doing it and i i got bit by the bug like i was addicted to that more than i was for grippers for a while um then like i went to my first competition really had no idea what i was doing but i won so like that helped right and kind made a lot of confidence of, early I, I, yeah and like i met a lot of cool people like steve millard he runs the, the comps out here mm-hmm. in carbondale colorado and he's awesome like he's been a great mentor and like he's so supportive of what i'm doing and the whole crew that comes out for those competitions there it's great i wish like tim uh, butler and Vinny, um they came to wyoming to do a comp here mm-hmm. uh, so it's cool to have them come down i'd like to see more people from the east coast and the west coast come to colorado and compete with us out here uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
I would like to get out that way sometime. I've only been to Colorado one time in my life. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would like to get back out there sometime. And if it was for a grip competition, then that's even better. Yeah. Um, uh, one one thing I would I just want to touch on right there with you mentioning that is uh, uh, Steve Millard running those competitions. Now, I have never spoke to him. I have never met him. But everyone I have talked to has spoken very highly of him. And mm -hmm. for what it's worth, I would like to say that uh, I think that's a name in grip that doesn't get as much recognition as it should. Absolutely. So with you bringing that up, I want to make that a point right now that uh, Steve is somebody that has been um, hosting competitions. You can go to so many different lifts and see his name on the leaderboards. Um, yep. he, he's not one of those people that's, you know, super active and posting a thousand videos and throwing stuff in anybody's face, but the, the numbers and the strength are, I mean, top level. Yep. Um, so I, I just want to kind of give a shout out to uh, Steve Millard, because like I said, I, I, I don't really know him. Um, but that reputation and that name is one, you know, you hear a lot of these names that we bring up, you know, we might've named a few doing the grippers or other things, you know, those are names that are more common, but for some reason, it seems that Steve is kind of, uh, flew under the radar a little bit. And yeah. I think that anytime I see that name or hear that name, mm -hmm. I, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I, I respect it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with that fully other than just giving somebody credit that I don't think gets enough credit. Yeah. That's um, really cool of you to do that. Cause yeah, I feel the same way. He's very low key. He's very chill. Uh, like you said, he's not in people's face. He just loves the sport and he wants to organize stuff. And if two people show up, he doesn't care. I mean, he'll have just as good of a time. He'll put as much effort into it. If, if 20 people showed up. So yeah, um, the competition that was out here in Wyoming, uh, in March, he helped that gym organize it and put it together. And now there's another place where we're going to have competitions. We don't have to go to the same place. And it's a little more accessible for people who aren't close to the mountains. Um, so yeah, it's awesome. He's, he's really cool. I'm glad you gave him some, some props there. He deserves it. Um, super strong guy too. Like he's, he's in the master's division, I guess, but he pushes mm -hmm. us to the limit when we're competing, like all the young guys, like he, he's no, yeah. He's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're still down at all. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's several lifts he's probably outlifting both of us on still. Yeah, um, guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, guaranteed. So, um, yeah, just thought that was worth mentioning because, like I said, it's it's a name that doesn't get brought up as much as some of the others, but he's always been around. Almost, yep. you know, he, he's he's been involved. So, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's cool that you're out, you know, relatively close to him, and that was kind of was that your first competition? Yeah, yeah, him? he. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's a good introduction. I mean, when you have somebody that kind of, you know, knows the sport and can perform at a high level, and that's kind of your intro, you get introduced to like, you know, a good yeah. experience to start with. Yeah, because like when he first reached out, because I'd been posting stuff and he finally like caught wind of what I was doing. He reached out and told me about the competition he was running. And I was like, who is this guy? And then like, I look him up. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's a savage. It's like, yeah, this, hey, is someone, this is someone I need to hang out with, you know, and uh, yeah, it's great. So anytime I can get with him, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Cause he's a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, so that would be about how many comps have you done? Um, cause you've been, you've been really active as well. So I, I know you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're running up this mash monster ladder with these grippers you're doing, you know, you got stuff, you know, own personal feats. Like I, uh, I sold you that 120 uh, legacy yeah. blob. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're, you're lifting that. Um, you're doing combinations with it. You're climbing this mash monster ladder. You're picking up the inch dumbbell at, you know, wherever it was. I think I saw a video and then it was at one of Steve's comps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're at competitions, you know, do competing, lifting the inch dumbbell, but mm -hmm. you're also doing a lot of competitions. 
yeah. mean, you've done several competitions, you know, this first year or so. So yeah, I I've done, I did two at Steve's and then I did one in Wyoming. Um, I did super series. Uh, I've done like some of the, like the, the grab hold online ones uh, with mm-hmm. like implements and stuff, but, but yeah, I've tried to be as active as I can. Cause I want to learn and get as much experience as I can with these implements um, and like be live with people and watch what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like I love competing with Tim because I watch everything that he did. I learned so much from just watching his hand placement, how he does. Things. He's so, he's yeah. so freaking strong, dude. It's nuts. Um, so yeah, like, I like to associate with super strong people. So I want to learn from them and watch what they're doing. So I'm just kind of anyone that I know I can get to, I sign up for it. And that's why I'm coming out to, to hang out with you guys on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so like I said, yeah, we're t- kind of talking about past competitions, but we have heavy hands coming up. Um, as I look down at the monitor, days the fifth, we're lifting on the ninth. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's right around the corner. We're here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. And you're going to be competing at that competition. Um, we have had a few pullouts with some people, um, you know, whether it be injuries or travel issues, but yeah, man, I'm telling you, regardless of, you know, dropping a few, there's going to, and this, and this is not to put down any of the other competitors or anything. Cause like I said, we might have some people that it's their first competition. So you're not expected to take first and you're, you know, if you go against a bunch of veterans or whatever, you know, you're not necessarily expected to take first if it's your first competition. So um, if somebody was making their debut and they have to lift against guys like you and Eric Roussein or Ben Helms or who, like, yeah, I don't expect them to win. So like, I'm not trying to uh, leave anybody out, mm-hmm. but if we go by experience level, um, regardless of how many people pull out, there's still going to be about eight or nine guys there that are serious. It's and, that, and, and that eight or nine are going to mix it up and, one guy might get one event. The next event might be a different story. And the event after that might be a different story. And the way that stuff's going to, you can shake out it. Yep. It makes it fun, man. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I got my own kind of predictions in my head, I guess, of you know, where I think certain guys are going to be and stuff. And yeah. we'll, we'll see how close it is, you know, once, once we figure it out, but mm-hmm. to, to your point earlier, that's what, uh, that's what I like about this is the fact that like, you're talking about traveling to these competitions, getting experience. Um, we're all going to be in the same room. We're all going to be on the same handle. We're mm-hmm. all, you know, pushing each other, learning from each other. There's none of this like, oh, well, at that venue, they used a different thing. No, like we're all in the same room. So there's there's no excuse. Everybody's going to get better and whatever happens, happens. So yeah. to me, that's uh, that's the ideal format or that's the uh, the setting that's going to motivate me the most. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's great. Um, this is what I like most about this sport. And I'll touch on the notes, some of the notes here is like developing like a non-toxic competitive mindset. Um, yeah. Cause yep. I competed jujitsu for a, about a year before I could, took grip seriously. And mm-hmm. I loved it, man. I love grappling. The competitions are good, but you're in the MMA world. You've grappled, you know what that is like at competition. It is. It can, uh... it, it gets, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, I mean, it, it, it's one-on-one, like I said, for the most part mm-hmm. on the grappling side, I guess you could say that not that it's not as intense, but mm-hmm. usually at a grappling tournament, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you just got to tap out. Now don't get me wrong. Maybe your foot gets caught on the mat. You tear something in your knee. You tap a little bit late. Okay. Yeah. You get thrown a little weird. You land funny on a rib. Uh, 
I get it. Shit happens. You you can get hurt. But yep. for the most part, the worst thing that happens at a grappling tournament is you tap out and you lose, yep. which isn't too bad. Now, with the fight stuff, I mean, it just there's a lot more physical damage. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's uh there's a lot more consequences, I guess you could say, physically. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I've just been backstage where there's, you know one curtain or no curtain separating both warm-up rooms and you're just both fucking guys are looking at each other the whole time they're hitting pads and they're about to go fight and it's like you damn near got different camps and teams about ready just to fucking brawl yeah. before you even get out there so i i, I get yeah. what you mean so for the most part um a lot of the martial arts and stuff th- there's a lot of respect amongst the competitors mm-hmm. but there are those times where you grapple somebody that's just a a cocky asshole or somebody that's a dick or it's a rival school or a rival person or there's something political going on and shit can get ugly because I mean, it's, it's extremely competitive because there's a lot at stake. Yeah. And like, for me, the, the psychological part is like, I, I, I put all my effort like into grip. I put the same effort into my grappling and when I'm preparing for, you know, I'm doing like eight week camp or six week camp leading up to a fight it's like I'm in this mindset of like, like I'm I'm committed and I'm ready to go, but it's like I'm gonna fuck somebody up, you know. And for for me, I get toxic. Like I'm I'm impossible to be around because I'm just in this like killer mode, and I can't turn it off until the fight's done. And yeah. that's cool, but it just it wasn't like like I, it just didn't mesh well with my personality, I guess. And like like it's good to know that I can go there, but it's not a place I like to dwell. So with grip sport, I can give the same intensity and go all out on it and get ready for competition. But like leading up to heavy hands, I'm not, I don't have like scalps that I want to claim. I'm not going out to beat anybody. I'm going out to beat myself and hang out with some cool people and learn and have a good time. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's, that's what I'm the, Yeah. And I think that's one of the more appealing things about grip, you know, cause like you said, coming from a, a grappling background yourself and kind of getting a taste of that. And, and I, and I would agree. I mean, I almost, uh, I had my first fight in 2010. So I think it's 2023 now. So um, it's been about 13 years ago since I had my first fight. Um, Yeah. I'm getting old. Right. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but man, um, that's one of those things where, you know, when I was more actively competing, I still never really enjoyed it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know if this is a, a fair statement. I mean, maybe other people view it differently. Um, winning is fun. Mm-hmm. Preparing for a fight is not fun. No, it's not. And, and, and that, 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 that would be my personal opinion is after the fight, fight after yeah. the fight, when you win, yeah. it's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's like the only good part, but everything up until that, I just, I, I, I hate waiting. I don't feel like sitting in the back. I don't feel like, you know, you got three more weeks. I, I just hate having a date. I, I don't like any. I'd rather just like fight someone on the spot and not have the build up and all the yeah, you know, all all, all the stuff surrounding it. So, uh, to, to your point there, I uh, I'm glad I fought. I'm glad I put as much time in as I did, and I'm glad that I still um, you know, train to some to some uh, some level. I still have friends that are professional fighters. I still have friends that are climbing up the ranks. I'm still involved with helping them. But as far as me, like, Hey, I'm going to go out here. It, I'm, I'm not making it a career. So there's no reason for me to go out and take unnecessary damage or, yeah. 
if that's not going to be something that you're going to pursue to the fullest extent. So I'm kind of in a role where I can coach and help some of my friends who are making that push. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's almost a better spot for me right now, because like I said, as, as much as I enjoyed everything that I got out of fighting, even when I was doing it, even when things were going a hundred percent my way, I still never really enjoyed it the same way I've enjoyed other sports. It's, 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 it's maybe difficult to explain. No, uh, I but I, I, I think you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, like the the lead up and the, the training is just a grind. And it's like you have to drag yourself to the gym every day. Like the first couple of weeks, it's cool. But like once you get toward the end, you're like, dude, I don't want to do this no more. And, yeah. you know, everyone's pushing you harder. They're fighting you harder. And you get to the, you know, maybe you, you'll be lucky enough to take a week off before the competition or the tournament. And you go out like I won my first tournament, which was cool. And getting your hand raised in a gold medal match is cool it's it's very exciting it's a huge it's a huge accomplishment but then like when the adrenaline dumps and you're just on the ground and you can't even breathe like you're wondering like why do i do this why do i do this to <laughs> and it, isn't it i don't regret it and i'm gonna get back into it someday but it's uh yeah it's one of the more interesting things i've done is the grappling and it's very intense and it makes you really question like do how bad do i want to do this because it's a, the most challenging thing I've ever done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, like I said, we, we move weights and move other stuff, but it's like when you're trying to fight someone and it's moving you back and it, there's a, there's just so much to it. So yeah, I'm, like I said, fighting would be something that I've done so much more than grip and I'm probably so much better at fighting than I am at grip. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I said, there's kind of that love hate aspect of it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, to stay sharp, to stay in training mode, mm -hmm. I, I, I still will do. I think it's important, obviously, you know, to, to train, stay sharp, always improve at something, but to go out and take meaning, meaningless fights at this point, um, just not something I'm looking to do. Nah. And I'd rather be involved in, I guess, helping other people or kind of taking my experience and pouring it into other people while they make their run. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, I, I, I can totally relate. And it definitely is a, uh, it's a great community. And for the most part, it's pretty good, but mm -hmm you run into um, sometimes you run into rivalries between uh, you know, local gyms. If they're in the same area, this person leaves this gym and goes to the other. Now there's that. Sometimes you have divides within the same exact gym. Mm -hmm. You have people within the same gym and they have issues with each other. And then there's like a split in your own gym when you're like, Oh, I thought we were a team. Why is there a split in my own, my yeah. own house basically, you know? So it, that sport definitely, there's more room for that political divide and mm -hmm. shit to go kind of South. Whereas in grip, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that everybody gets along and everything's <laughs> perfect, but for the most part, it is a lot less. Uh, oh. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's, there's a lot less of that kind of animosity. And I think it's because like, kind of like the grappling where I'm like, Oh, the worst thing that happens is you tap out. It's like mm -hmm. different than getting your like head caved in. Um, yeah. But like with grip, it's like, the worst thing that happens is you go up there and it falls out of your hand mm -hmm. and then you just go right back and you get to try it again or make an adjustment yeah. or you just root for the other guy that's going to maybe lift it like it there's mm -hmm. none of this uh, there's not as much ego or your personal health at stake yeah. so it, it allows you to kind of uh mm -hmm. it allows you to kind of enjoy it yeah yeah, Whereas, for sure. yeah. Uh, so it, it's interesting like i said because uh I, I was speaking to somebody not too long ago about this where uh we're in a sport that attracts a lot of people, um, rock climbers, um, you know, former power lifters, strongman, 
but grappling is another one that crosses over. Um, last episode, I interviewed Adam Glass. He's somebody that has done some grappling. So he's dabbled, he's dabbled in some jujitsu. You've done some jujitsu. Like I've, you know, been in that on that side for a long time. So it's, it's interesting to kind of just see other people that have had a similar route where like, I'm sure the other climbers, when they see another climber, they're like, Oh, Hey, like, Mm -hmm. you're a climber yeah we found this grip thing like it's like oh hey a a jujitsu guy cool like you know you i don't know there's like uh something you can relate to there we're like hey we kind of found the same path but we did a bunch of other shit first or something so yep do um, do you uh do you want to roll on saturday (laughs) we 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 could yeah yeah maybe a post-competition roll yeah yeah that's what i'm gonna do whoever has the belt that's what i'm gonna do because i'm i'm not gonna win the grip portion yeah. But I'll grapple somebody for the belt afterwards. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so m- m- maybe that's the only way I touch that thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you just, you just I, thought you won. Now the last event is you have to grapple Zach. Yeah. yeah I, I just think that, uh, like I said, I just think with this event lineup mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not like delusional. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going to place as high as I can compete against myself, you know, get the highest numbers. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to smash everybody too. Mm-hmm. But there's probably a good chance Eric's going to outlift me on a rolling handle. I'm not mm-hmm. stupid. You, you get what I mean? I, I, I'm mm-hmm. realistic. I'm still going to go in and do whatever I can do, but yeah. So I, I make the joke. Yeah. If, if it was a fight, maybe that's the only way I'm touching that belt because when it comes to grip, uh, I see myself probably falling somewhere, uh, tough lineup and weird event, not weird events, but uh, difficult to predict these yeah. events. For, for everybody that's coming, I, I would see myself closer to like the bottom of like the top five, somewhere in the bottom five. Yeah. I think there's three or four guys that'll probably beat me for sure in this lineup. And if I have a good day, I think that I can probably be right there on the cusp of that top five or six. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. No, 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 no delusions there, but yeah, if it was grappling, I'd probably fare much better. But like we said, we're, we're into grip now. So yeah, we're in the grip now. <laughs> but no funny idea man um yeah. so uh just kind of uh i guess bring we'll just stick with that comp man um how do you feel about the event lineup i'm excited about it man it's a good set of events i like the order um i think the order is gonna like we know how strong everyone is individually on these things but i think the order and the level of competition that's going to be there i think some dudes might get wiped out like fatigued in the first event Cause there's going to be wars on that, that two inch handle. Like for sure. wonder, there's going to be some big weights pulled. I wonder how many lifts some guys are going to have to take if they want to win that event, you know, and then we go right into the Andrews axle right after, which yeah. pre pre fatiguing one of your hands and going and trying to lift that thing. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, and, and with the Andrews axle, I mean, you're talking a two and three eighths axle. Yep. So your hands are open. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say with your hand being in a more open position, I, ideally there's probably going to be a little more wrist involvement yeah to contain that bar being mm-hmm. thicker than your like two inch where you kind of can get it like on your hands you know mm-hmm. and uh you're basically going to be executing a lot of wrist on that andrew's axle and then right into saxon which is that also a two-handed yep. event with uh-huh. a lot of wrist so I, I think like you're bringing up i think it's going to be interesting because if you think you're going to come in and pull a pr on your saxon i'm not saying you can't but how many times in training did you pull you know Mm-hmm. who knows how many attempts on this rolling handle plus an axle and then go to your Saxon like that. Probably if I told you, Hey, I want you to try to set a PR in your training today. 
you probably wouldn't max out on those two things first if you were going to try to set a sex in PR. Right. So, so I, it's a great point you're bringing up. That's what's great about it is this, the strategy component of the, the group competitions. Yeah, we're all strong in the gym, but you got to put it all together and you got to the endurance and be mentally tough enough to, to stick it out. And, you know, if you have to take five lifts in the first event, the rest of the event's going to be rough. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think it's worth noting that, uh, with it kind of being last man standing format too, that, that kind of opens it up to where, I mean, I don't know, maybe the top two guys have to follow each other a couple times back and forth and other guys are sitting out kind of fresh yep. and, yep. you know, they're climbing that ladder, burning each other out a little bit. And then, or is it, is it worth taking second or third place to not have to take those extra lifts, you know? Yeah. Be because yeah. it is, it is possible that a guy could maybe finish second or third place across the board, not mm -hmm. win a single event, but take the competition the depending on, yep. depending on other people's, you know, placements. So, so. um, I, I love yeah. the strategy part of it. So definitely, uh, def definitely interesting. Um, do you have a, now kind of talk about how much, you know, what you think of the event lineup. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, I, I don't know. It, I mean, obviously you're probably going for the belt mm -hmm. first overall. I mean, that yeah. would be common sense. I mean, what, uh, do you, do you have any other goals specifically that you're trying to shoot for in the competition or is it just place as high as you can in the moment? Because that's when you're going to, you know, you're going to have to make these decisions in the moment. You can't really predict it. You know, I mean, things might change by event two or three, like you said. So are you just going I, all out? I, uh, I want to be Chaz. That's all I hear. <laughs> oh, I man. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun to lift with him, though. Like, he's great. I talk to him all the time. Um, yeah. Well, I obviously I'm going to go out and I'm going to go for the kill. I'm going to try to win. I'm going to play it smart with the strategy and, you know, try to have as much of the mental game down with it as I can. But, um, aside from like placement goals, um, I, I really want to get a good pull on the Andrews axle. Cause this is, I think this is the first time it's being done under GSI rules. Right. So we're going yeah, to be uh, guy on, on that leaderboard. So I want to yeah. be part of setting the bar high on that. I think that's okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because it has been contested before, but I believe it was unsanctioned at like the right. living legends competition. So it's a, it's a classic kind of piece that's been used, but, uh, yeah, as far as getting, entered into the database and everything and kind of making that more of a staple event. Um, yeah. It'll kind of be the the first list, you know, it'll be the first batch of people that are, that are up there. So and I'd, I'd like to see that lift become more common than the two inch axle. In my opinion, I think it's, a much, it's a much more like axle is hard. Don't get me wrong, but this yeah. is a really a more true test of your grip overall grip is that. Yeah. Bar. And, and, and I think that's part of the reason that we wanted to kind of bring that back again. And I've mentioned this enough to where like, I don't want to, repeat it myself too much but uh yeah whether it be two or two and three eighths inch axle i think that really for your your thick bar those two should be just main staples and mm -hmm. i think if you're gonna have um and this this is going towards both um the primary organizations um meaning like arm lifting usa and grip sport international if you're going to have an axle and fat grips available and if you're going to have an axle and multiple sets of napalm handles available to me for both these organizations, it only makes sense. Like how do you not have a two and three eighths axle? Mm -hmm. That just seems like such a no brainer to me. Right. So I'm, I'm excited for that event specifically mm -hmm. because I just, I think that if you're in grip, the axle is one of the like premier lifts to display grip strength. And especially when you make it that wider diameter, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. it's more grip. It starts shifting more to grip than your body, which the two inch can kind of, you know, guys with big hands, it almost becomes a body lift. Yep. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that one, but I, I just think it's, it's weird that there's so many varieties of thick bar mm-hmm. yet. How did it go this long without a two and three eighths axle being contested when so many other handles are two and three eighths, the inches two yeah. and three eighths, there's napalm handles. The fat yeah. grips on certain bars are almost two and three eighths. They're like two and a quarter. It's like, yeah. nobody wants to use a thick axle. Like what's up with that? So we will, we're going to, yeah. we're going to bring it back. Yeah. Um, we're going like, to bring it back. And I, I hope that sticks around and I hope more people want to contest it. And, uh, Yep. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, sorry to like ramble on about the axle. But, no, uh, I, I I'm all I'm all about the fatter axle, uh, the wider pinch. Like I, I, mean, I think I, when it gets to, I have really big hands, so mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm I like those events. Um, yeah, I'm biased, but I I like the wide and the, the thicker the better. I, I think that if it gets to like, for my opinion on thick bar, I think two inch is kind of the minimum. Mm-hmm. Anything under two, we're kind of not. You know, we we're, we might as well just be like on a, I don't know, deadlift, you know, deadlift bar or something, a regular barbell. Right. Um. So two inch axle, I'm I'm completely cool with. Mm-hmm. I do understand how like big strong men and stuff could like come in and it can almost be more of a body event and it's not really hitting their grip as much. Sure. But uh, once you cross over that two and three eighths or two and a half inch mark, you start getting closer to three inch. It almost becomes a pinch and it's not even really thick bar. Exactly. So I. I, I I would never go that far or want to see something like that. I wouldn't want like a three inch axle really contested. No, I like the three inch Saxon, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want a three inch. No, I was, I was, I was saying I, I like the three inch Saxon. I would not like a three inch axle. Yeah. No. So no. for two and for three axle. Inch. Yeah. Two and two, uh, two inch and two and three eighths would probably be ideal for axle. And then the two to three inch for Saxon, I think would be great for those barbell lifts. Mm-hmm. And that's any organization. I think that those four bars basically, cover yeah. a lot of your big two-hand movements and are the really kind of my favorite go-tos um now let's just say because I, I mean you've you've done like crush to dust uh certification where you have to pull you know whatever on the rolling thunder um you've had big rolling handle lifts in training yep. um just for fun like i said i just want to kind of run down this list with you real quick mm-hmm. um because we've talked about the events we've talked about whatever who's going to be there da 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 um when you're going to, uh, as you're approaching these events, I'll say this, I'll just go event by event. Who do you think is the biggest threat to you on the one hand nightmare? The first event. Who, who are you? Who's that? Jed. Jeez. Okay. I, I think, I think Jed's hand is preventing. I don't think Jed's going to be there. Oh, he's not. Okay. I, I heard he might've been hurt, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to say with a hundred percent confidence that he's not there, but I think Jed's not going to, not going to be there for in uh, my event. in my weight class that i don't know him i haven't talked to him but tim einstein i've looked at some of his lifts he's strong on the thick bar so he's a strong thick bar guy yes. he, he is going to be a big challenge in that yeah. in that event as well as the the two and three eight sacks that's a good call yeah, yeah. That's, that, that, that's accurate i would second that yeah. um so t- you think tim somebody you're looking at for the, the handle probably and the axle yeah he's he's going to if if Jed doesn't show up and or Jed's not healthy, then I think he'll be he'll be the one that I got to beat. Um, okay, to, to and now get first in our our weight class. A, okay, and what about uh, what about the axle? The axle, uh, Sam. I think Tim. I, he knows his way around the thick bar, so I think he'll be he'll be good in that one too. Um, I'm pretty like my hand size is good in that event. Um, mm-hmm. 
like I feel like I'm bad. I feel like I'm sorry. That's my doorbell. Uh, I feel like my, I feel like my two and three eighths is better than my two inch with my mm-hmm. hand size. Um, so I, I think those are going to be really competitive events uh, across the board. Um, Tim and I, and you know, Chaz has been working hard too. So I'm not counting him out either. I know Doug Carney's going to be there. I think it's his first competition. So. You know, he's going to be there soaking up a lot of the information, but I think Tim's going to be the stiffest competition in the weight class. Okay. Okay. Now, if I, if we open it up to any weight class. Yeah. uh, Axel, who are you thinking? I mean, I personally, I would say, I would say Eric Eric and Ben. Eric. Yeah. Eric and Ben. Yeah. If we're opening up to the whole, the whole field, then yeah, Eric and Ben are probably going to, they're going to go to war for first place on that overall. And and then your, uh, your Saxon, you've made a lot of improvements to, because that's kind of a newer lift to you. Yeah, in general, right? That was my weakest area. Like I had naturally, like my hand size made me kind of naturally built for the thick bar stuff, but Mm -hmm. my pinch was weak. And now I've got, you know, I'm pulling like 230, 240 on the Saxon bar, which is okay. Three inches is good. So that's up there, man. I hope I can get that in the comp. It'll depend on the first two events, but I think probably Nick is going to win. Nick Sanders is going to win that because he's he's a freak. On this I, I would say Nick and Ben, it might come down to depending on how the first two events play out with, like we said, now little bighorn, you got any predictions on little bighorn? <laughs> that, that, that lift is just so hard. Yeah. To, I, I hate it. Man. Like it's, it's almost like, I'm like, I'm not even going to train it. I'm just going to show up and do what I can do. And I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be fried by the end anyway. So um, yeah. I don't know, man, like Ben, why not? Probably Ben. Yeah. Win that one. Yeah. I, I, I'd probably, if I, if I had to pick just for fun, mm-hmm. I would say a uh, little big horn, probably between Eric, Ben and uh skillet, skillet hands, Nick. Yeah. I think those three on little big horn would probably in some capacity be at the top. Yeah. Um, but, but like I said, it's whoever you put at the top for one event is not necessarily your first pick for the other event. So I think it's going to kind of, uh, it's going to be a close match. I feel like for yeah. the overall it's now weight, cool. weight classes might be a different story for yeah, certain people, yeah. dep- depending on how stacked the the classes are. But for the overall, if we just throw weight classes out the window, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that can get shaken up. And I think it's going to be, uh, I don't know, going to be interesting to see. Yeah. So, and like with, with Ben and Nick and Eric being there, it's like, I'm kind of like focused on just the weight class. Cause I know, I know I'm, I'm not going to beat Nick in the Saxon bar. I know I'm not going to be Eric or Ben in the thick bar, you know, like, so I'm, I'm being realistic. So I'm trying to focus on the weight class and mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, like zooming in a little bit and not being focused so much on the wider field. But uh, yeah. I'm just super pumped. I'm, I'm super pumped to watch these guys lift in person, yeah, especially Ben and Nick. Like, I just I see Ben's videos. I'm like, how is this? This doesn't even, this doesn't even make sense. <laughs> right. So I got to see it with my own eyes. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, and I, I think I'm going to bring some. Not, I, I don't know how taxed everybody will be afterwards, but I'm going to bring some extra. Uh, I guess stuff for like post competition feats. Yeah, if people want to mess around with some blobs or inch bells or I don't know some plates or some crazy stuff, whatever. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure that whatever you know gas anybody has left in the tank will probably you know screw around and do some cool stuff afterwards. So maybe we'll, we'll get to see some interesting stuff happen after the competition if everybody's not too wiped out. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that'd be fun. Speaking of trying to get some of these big lifts on the board mm-hmm. for heavy hands, um, I'm going to kind of just dive in on um, some of the stuff you've already accomplished. Because, I mean, we, we've talked about the mash monster ladder and some of the gripper stuff. We've talked about kind of where some of your lifts are at and going into this competition. 
But uh, other things that people might not know, and I might have hit on a couple of them, but uh, you're certified on the number three? Yep. So you're certified on the Iron Mind number three gripper, mm-hmm. um, certified on the Gillingham Performance uh, 8, so a GHP 8, yep, GHP which, 8, which is pretty high up on the list. How high up is that? Yeah, that's um the the eight is equivalent to like a three and a half iron mind. Um, mm-hmm. so I think there's like twenty something people who are on the list from the like so the, the GHP ladder is a little different. If like to get on the list, you have to look the set close the seven. And then if you close the eight, then you pass everybody who did the seven, even if they did it a million times, mm-hmm. and then the nine and the ten and so on. No one's on the ten. Carl's closed it, but he didn't do it with the block, so he didn't get mm-hmm. on the list. But um, yeah, so the eight is up there, you know. I think there's like when the eight starts, I think there's like 20 people on the list. Uh, so it's pretty, it's a pretty serious one. I mean, the set, the seven's hard. Like the seven is probably equivalent to a three little, yeah. little weaker, but I mean, these aren't, these aren't slouches mm-hmm. when you, on, on these grippers. Um, so yeah. I'm pretty proud of the GHPA and, you know, pound for pound GHP grippers are the most difficult ones on the market. They're wider and pound for pound. They're just harder to close. Like, it seems like they're hard to get a hold of lately too. Yeah, I, I, like there's something going on with that, or yeah, I'm not sure. I don't want to speculate too much on what's going on, but it seems like yeah, it might be over. I don't know because mm-hmm. it's been months since there's been any sixes, and now there's no sevens, and there's no fives, and there's no fours, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. I, I'm not I'm not plugged in with any of those people, so I don't know anything for sure. But it just seems like he's not Wade. Everything's yelling. everything's out of stock almost. Yeah, like maybe he can't get springs. I don't know. I don't like I said. I don't want to speculate too much, but it's weird that nothing's been around for a while. Now I, I did mention the crush to dust cert, which mm-hmm. is an old iron mine cert. Um, that one's a little bit lopsided, in my opinion. That's like a yeah, super it's, lopsided it's cert. A rolling, it's like it's, it's, it's a rolling thunder cert. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like if you just lift the two hundred pounds or whatever it is on the rolling thunder, you probably can close a number two, and you can probably lift like forty five pounds on a hub. So not not to downplay the 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 certification it's just a lopsided certification yeah there, there's nobody who has failed it that failed the hub i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> they didn't lift yeah. the rolling and then they failed the hub it just doesn't it, it it's never happened i don't know that yeah. for sure but i bet money on it it's never happened okay yeah. um and then if we uh that, that's kind of like some certification stuff now mm-hmm. if we kind of get what i would call like more like not certifications because there's no like governing body that's looking over you when you do these things sure but the feats yeah, you know the feats. There's that other side of this like weird thing that we're involved in, um, but you've lifted the inch dumbbell, lifted a 120 legacy blob. You could probably lift more than that. You just that's what you have available to you. So yep. you're just picking up what you got. I'm um, I'm going to Tim Butler's house uh, on the 13th, and I'm going to try to lift Blobzilla in the yellow room of pain. So we're gonna, oh god, we're gonna go for it. Yeah, man, I might cool. have to. Uh, you guys might have to like buzz me in on FaceTime or something, or I might yeah. just need to make the trip up myself just to witness it because yeah. I, I've never been in the room. We've yeah. talked about it in episode five with Tim, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, yeah. man. So uh, that, that's kind of cool that you guys plan that out and you're going to get a training session in like that. Yeah. Cause like we're, it worked out. Cause like heavy hands, like my family and I were going on a vacation. We're going to the East coast. So mm-hmm. we're driving up, you know, from Virginia, Washington, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York city. And mm-hmm. so, it worked out like Tim's going to be in town on the day we're driving up through New Jersey. So, um, okay. Yeah. yeah we're going to stop in. Live well, and, and you guys have already competed together. So, I mean, yeah. it's a familiar, it's a familiar face. It's yeah. another high level guy. And, see a friend and do some cool stuff. Yeah. And he's got some stuff that, uh, in his collection that you don't have access to right now. So exactly. why not knock those out? Um, yep. so 
on the feet side of things, mm-hmm. um, if we take grippers out of the equation mm-hmm. and we take other like handle lifts, if we keep it to like plate pinching, we mm-hmm. can say hub lifting, um, the bells, the blobs, whatever else would fit into that category. Um, I don't care. Somebody's talking about sledgehammer levering. I don't, I don't give a shit. Anything that's a feat, you know? Yeah. Um, what would you say is probably the most difficult one you've pulled off so far on the feet side? Hmm. Or what lift are you kind of the most proud of when it comes to that? Like which one like did like got you hyped up after you did um, it? The inch dumbbell was cool because it was just like I tried it once at a competition, but it was afterward and I was fried. And I got like a couple inches off the ground, but I was so exhausted from the comp that it wasn't like a, a fair shake at it. Mm-hmm. So the last time I competed in call up with Steve, um, I did it before and I just went and lifted it level, both hands, like it was nothing. It felt awesome to just walk up and do that to it. So pretty proud of that one. But you know, even bigger than that, now that I'm thinking about it, like that legacy you sold me. I mean, I just mm-hmm. dove in on a legacy 120 with blobs and I, I lived, it took me like a month and I got it up. Like yeah. I'm pretty proud of that. Cause that was, that was hard. Well, it's hard when you don't have something like, you know, with any other lift, it's kind of like, well, add some fives, mm-hmm. add some two and a halves work yeah. up to it. Yeah. When you just have a, a 120 legacy hanging out at your house, it's like, you can deload it with a band. There's training methods, mm-hmm. there's assisted methods, but it's still like, you're just diving right in. And yep. it's like, you either lift it or you can't. And it's kind of harder when you have that object yep. and nothing else that's like similar to it. You just got to. Yeah. I mean, work, it, it just came down it. to, I just had to grab it and squeeze it. And eventually like my hand just adapted. I mean, there was some technique stuff that I learned that oh, yeah. helped, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it was just cool. Like, cause you kind of said, it's like, you're kind of just like diving into a three on grippers, you know, when I bought the thing. And so to be able to lift it, not too shortly after I got it, it felt pretty good. And then I liked that feed I did where I, I lifted it and then did the TNS with the two on the, the right hand. So yeah. once I can get that blob consistently with my left, I'm going to do it in TNS of three with the right. And okay. my, this is my gripper hand, right? Is my gripper hand. My left is way weaker. Uh, but they, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the they same way. My, my left is garbage when it comes to grippers. Not that my right is great, but like, yeah. I, like my left hand is my pick bar hand, like my handle hand, and but I'm right-handed, but my left is stronger. So like I have them doing different stuff. So it's cool. Yeah. It's kind of weird how the more you do these, uh, these lifts and the mm-hmm. more training you do, you start to find out those differences. Oh, my left hand has five, 10 pounds here. My right hand, you, you really do. Because when you start, everything's kind of even, you don't know. Right. But over time, you really get to almost learn yourself. And it's like, my left, my left hand is my, uh, like my V bar hand. Like yeah. something about the flexibility in my wrist, my left hand is better at. My right hand is like way stronger when it comes to being tight. So like, that's where you're going to see like the rolling handles or, gripper closes so uh, it's funny how over time you kind of see what side has a benefit or not a benefit but like a advantage over the other and when it comes to one-handed events and competitions and how they lay out that can be part of the strategy as well Mm -hmm. you know using you kind of kind of warming up with one hand or the other keeping both hands warm knowing which event to use which hand on especially if it's a one-handed competition or something um so and like just to touch on something that it's not a feat, but I, we had an inch pinch event at the last competition. Yeah. With yeah. Steve, and I set the GSI world record on that mm-hmm. and never really even trained the thing, but I was lifting it with my left hand because I wanted to preserve my right. And I got to like the top 10 numbers with my left hand. And it just was like, it was a weird feeling because it was like, mm-hmm. well, what, if I, what happens when I use my right? And 
the guy that I like to compete with, Jeremy Everding, um, big strong man. Like, I, I, I've seen that name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was like, you're going to break the record when you use your right hand. And I was like, okay, let's do it. You know? <laughs> so it's just, it's weird how you, it's, it's weird to find that out in competition. Like which one is, you know, it's like, wow, this is really, I've never even done it with my left, but I'm super strong with it. Why is that? You know, it's, um, I don't know. It blows my mind sometimes. Like what we're capable of with our grips. Uh, Cause some of these handles are just brutal, but we find a way to do them. Yeah. Um, now, man, um, with, uh, this is something that I've been getting kind of requests from people for. Mm-hmm. I, I usually, I usually don't badger people too much about their training. Um, not that I like, Oh, they don't want to tell their secrets or something or whatever. No, that's not it. It's like the reason I usually don't badger people with the training stuff or, Hey, what do you do for training is because if you kind of understand how to train and, and I'm talking very like broad spectrum, if you just understand like, progression or like you said a second longer an extra rep today like mm-hmm. if you just get how to train something mm-hmm. everybody to some extent is you know, no one's really doing some like magical program everybody's kind of fun we might customize it to ourselves in different events and have different strengths and weaknesses that we're working around a couple different methods but for the most part everybody's kind of following the same guidelines mm-hmm. so I, I usually don't like I said, I usually don't badger people about what, what do you do with your training? Because it's kind of like, if I ask everybody over the course of 20, 30 interviews, they're for the beginners. It's like, they're going to tell you the same shit. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be the same answer almost, but for anybody that's maybe newer or just because you might not be the same as some of these other people I've interviewed. um, I would like to just ask you about your training, but I don't want, I don't want to just break it down. Like, well, how do you do your gripper training? Oh, it's once a week. And it's whatever you already said, you know, um, not being a gripper only guy, right? You're balancing these grippers in. You say you hit them maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. That's yep. kind of optimal, right? You're also a guy that's not only training grip, right? You're right. working full body compound movements. Yes. So mm-hmm. that would be another component to bring up. So, I, like I said, I don't want to badger you about well, how many sets do you do on this, and how do you know when to, dude? Like sure. that's stuff that you just have to figure out on your own. Mm-hmm. I can interview these people all day and, and they can tell you 65% on this. That doesn't mean the shit's going to work for you. Yeah. So that, that's, that, 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 that's, it's pointless talk. So just for like a general layout mm-hmm. with you being kind of a, not a one trick pony, you mm-hmm. have super high gripper closes. You have very good grip feats, but your overall body strength is strong as well. Mm-hmm. How do you blend all that kind of in a, in a weekly fashion? What would kind of be like a weekly, I'm not asking for reps and sets and mm-hmm. you know, that kind of bullshit. No, but how, what's your layout look like throughout the week? Yeah, I think I can answer the question like in terms of like principles. What are the principles of my training? And yeah, it's yeah. low volume, high intensity. Um, do a lift when you feel like you're ready for it. Because like I don't deadlift every week. I might go two weeks without deadlifting because I didn't feel good def- deadlifting. You know, I'll try to warm up. Things don't feel right. I don't do it. I do something else. And I'll say... If, so if I had a plan to go to the gym and something didn't feel right and I wanted to call an audible, I kind of just look and say, you know, I haven't done my finish ball in a while. Let me pick that up. Or I haven't done like tricep work in a while. You know, let me work on that a little bit. So I, you know, I've, I mean, I've been lifting for a long time, so I've kind of developed my body like pretty much as good as it's going to get, you know? Um, so I don't really stick to a program. I have goals in mind, like when it comes to like competitions coming up or, certifications I want to do 
And those will be like my priority principle of what I'm training for. So like for heavy hands, I'm doing the events. I'm training those. Those are the, my primary thing. But if there's a day where my hands don't feel good, I'll deadlift. I'll squat. I'll hit the bench press. You know, just anything. I enjoy lifting. Um, but I, but no matter what I'm doing, I just make sure that I keep the volume low and I go super hard. Um, it's easier for me to recover that way. And you just got to learn your body. Like you've got to get in touch with your body and know when you're recovered and when you're not. Um, yes. Yeah. And recovery is everything. And I think another good point there, like you said, with the kind of the high intensity stuff is, uh, we are also in a sport. Now I'm not going to say that maybe some promoters might not host something where there's a timed hold or some form of endurance. Mm -hmm. It's happened. It could happen. It could be contested, but for the most part, what do we do in our sport? Mm -hmm. Talking grip sport, arm lifting is we do different variations of a deadlift to max. Mm -hmm. So if you think that you're going to, and this is not me, like, I don't know. I'm not, this is nothing specific, but like, if if you think you're going to dick around with 50% and do a shit ton of reps, I, I don't know where that's going to take your top end because there's no competition that I'm aware of. Yeah. There, there's no competition I'm aware of that is uh, Hey, let's see how many times you can do 50%. Now I'm not saying that volume is bad if somebody wants to work in volume, but if I hit volume, it's usually after, like you said, I've ran things up and the intensity has kind of been topped out to some extent. So if we're working variations of a deadlift all to a one rep max, the question of how to train for it kind of answers itself a little bit Yeah, in my opinion, but what you do after that, you know, maybe you could drop down, hit more volume. Maybe you could do some holds afterwards. I I think there's room for that, but Mm -hmm. to make that your training, if your goal is to compete and it's one rep max, Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So yeah. Hopefully that makes sense to people listening. Yeah. It, it made sense to me. And, you know, I think, I believe it was Ben who talked about it or someone told me about Ben. He breaks down every lift into each component of it and trains each component of it separately. And I think that's a good approach to like arm lifting stuff is to, yeah, you can train, you can go and lift the handle, but you got to look at what are the different motions? What are the different stages of a lift? Where are you mm-hmm. strong? Where are you weak? You know, throw a band on it. If you have trouble, you know, getting it off the ground, put a band on it, you know, and work on that initial pull. Right. So you can do things like that. Focusing on sets and reps is not, it's not productive, uh, especially in, you know, this yeah. sport, it's about strength where you said you're going to do two lifts max probably per event. Right. Uh, unless you no, just, get sure. unless you get in a shootout with somebody or you started way <laughs> too early, you know, but even still like it, it tops out fast, it gets heavy fast and it stops coming off the ground fast. And mm-hmm you got to be prepared for that. So I think training the lift in all of its forms and stages uh, is much better than just doing as many reps as you can. It just doesn't make sense to do high volume. Now I'll say if I hit a plateau, like I don't get stronger or something, that's when I'll go to a volume. I'll mix mm-hmm. it up. I'll do volume for a little bit. And then I'll go back and try some singles and see where I'm at. And then I'll start progressing again on getting straight. Yeah. Kind of going back and rebuilding the base. Yeah. Yeah. So I think volume has its place, but training volume to get stronger isn't going to work. You've got to, you've got to train all that. You have to, you have to almost like max effort. I mean, you have to strain at some point you have to, I mean, I, I don't do percentages. I just, I load up what I think I can do and I try to lift it. If I don't, I pull five pounds off and I just go until it comes off the ground. But the next time I strain, I start there and And work. I I just think some of these people that I'm not saying people are looking for that secret program or something, but it's like, I think some of these people just overthink it. 
Absolutely. And, and, and it could literally be that simple. I just lift what I, what feels good that day. I lift it. I lift it heavy. Mm-hmm. If I can't lift it, I take five pounds off and then I lift that. It's like, yeah, some, some people just, I think they make this too much of a, uh, like I said, I'm not saying there's not levels to it and you can't get advanced with your training. Mm-hmm. There are some guys that are doing different stuff and it pans out and it, you know, they're training a little different. They're ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give certain people that credit, but if these are beginners that are a lot of times asking for programming or what should I do? Don't overthink it. Max out every week. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> and just get it off the ground, get it off the ground and get it higher next time. And then when you yeah. can walk it out, I'd wait. Like you're never going to know until you just go for it. The worst thing you can do is take weight off the, the thing, right? Yeah. If it's not too high, it doesn't budge. Just narrow it down. Then you'll know where your starting point is. And then lift it as many times as you can. And if you can do it more than like three times, add some weight to it. If you can't do it three times, stick with it until you can. It's, it's yeah. not hard. But we, we get like with fitness and stuff, all you hear is like three sets of 10. Three sets of 10. Like, where'd that come from? Yeah. It's just, it, it, it just uh, pulled out of the, out of the air. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. that's like more bodybuilding training, but if like, this isn't bodybuilding. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, we get some sick looking forearms, you know, but <laughs> the rest of it doesn't yeah. really apply. So now yeah. low volume, high intensity. Yeah. And, and like I said, and, and that's just because like a lot of times when we have these people that are high level grip guys on, people are curious about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't do the best job of asking them like, Hey, you know, what's your training look like? So just wanted to ask you kind of, you know, Hey, what, what's your training look like? I think you did a good job of explaining it for people. Cool. Um, it, it's broken down pretty simple. Yeah. Um, now that we've talked about that, I'd like to move into uh, future goals of yours. Sure. So, and this is something that I really was looking forward to talking to you about. I mean, we've talked about cool subjects already in my opinion, but um, the future goals um, stood out to me because depending on who I interview, um, like I said, everybody has different goals, mm-hmm. but your goals stood out to me in the fact that uh, like when I read them, like I'll, I'll just read them straight off the list. You want to search the 3.5 with iron mine. So that's a, you know, credit card set with iron mine. That'd be the next jump. Then you have MM 10, which is the mash monster 10, which we spoke about earlier. Cert the number four, which would be a credit card set with, you know, that's as high as that goes. Um, GHP 10, that's as high as that goes. It's another gripper cert. Bigger blobs. Well, you're already lifting a 120. You're talking about trying the Blobzilla at Tim's. That's up in that thing, you know. And then you have uh, lift the Millennium. So, which would be like a pretty much about as heavy dumbbell as any human can lift. So what I like and what I find interesting about your future goals is, is that they are extremely high and they're extremely high, but they're realistic. And I say that because what well, some of the stuff we've witnessed already, I mean, you just closed the MM seven. It's only been a year. I mean, grip is a long-term thing. This is a marathon kind of game we're in. So you've already displayed the potentials there, but I like the, uh, the mindset you kind of talked about. And that's why I said, I think you're kind of different than some of these people in grip. And that's not to say that they're not motivated or they're not trying to push themselves to the next level, but you are very, very direct about what you want to do, what you're calling out and then making that happen. So when I see lifts that are of this level 
and I can see all the basically all the proof that you've laid out leading up to this point, it makes me more excited for these than if you were just throwing out random shit because those lists that are on there that you wrote down, those are like everybody's lists. But what does their training look like? What are they actually doing? Or are they just saying shit? Oh, I would like to lift the millennium someday. Okay. Well, what are you really doing to lift the millennium? We'd all like to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why I think that your attitude kind of sets you apart. And that's why I really wanted to just do this interview and just kind of get more into the mindset. So um, for those future goals, like I said, you're setting the bars pretty much as high as you can go in every direction. Yeah. yeah. But you're backing it up. You're backing it up along the way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like if I get a guy that says like, oh, I think I'll I'll, uh, I'll lift the millennium. And I've never seen them lift the inch dumbbell. I'm kind of like, you're just talking, you're just talking shit. Like what, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to clean Blobzilla. It's like, you haven't even lifted a fat man yet. What the fuck are you talking about? You know? So it's like, I, some of these people just throw out delusional shit and there's no track record to fall back on. Whereas with you, you're eyeing these things. But like I said, you're on a crash course. I mean, you're knocking shit out, knocking stuff out of the way right to it. And it doesn't mean that this stuff's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to come fast. Not at all. But you have, like I said, your body of work so far leads me to believe that every single thing you've written down here is possible. Whereas there's a lot of people that might write some shit down and I look at it and I'm going to be like, "Mm, good luck lifting the millennium. Um, You know, judged on what I've seen or good luck trying to close this gripper when you you get where I'm going with that. So I I think that that's uh, the biggest difference I would note in uh, your training and your mindset is you're kind of walking the walk. Yeah. And I I see a lot of people just, I don't know. It's like the, I'll get off my high horse here in a minute. Um, So you're good. There's a lot of people in this small community of grip it's it's still kind of an underground ish sport where there's a community where most of us for you know know each other or know somebody that knows somebody and it's it's pretty tight-knit but there are certain feats that are so high up and so hard to do that at certain people it may have taken them so long to do them and then you have other people that just come along and have no idea about any of the history of anything they're talking about. And then they just think that they're like, Oh, I'm just going to shoot straight to the top, but there's no foundation behind anything they're saying. There's no proof behind their words. And it's like, until you start building up a body of work, I can't take your claims very serious. Yeah. You know, but when I see MM4, MM5, MM6, MM7 back to back weeks, when I see the inch dumbbell coming up first time, 120 legacy you're talking 230 240 sacks it's like man this is dude's first year you know so it's like i like the proof is there i don't i don't have to question it so that would just be my compliment to you on that is uh these things are extremely high level feats that you're eyeing but uh your body of work so far looks like a body of work that over time will lead to this it makes sense that's a lot of these people that they just say shit because it's like cool to say, Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to lift Blobzilla. Oh, that sounds cool. But like, you know, it's like, they're just saying stuff. 
And then you look and they, they're, they're, their training is nothing of the sort. So right. I just appreciate the fact that like, you're kind of calling these shots, mm-hmm. but you're not trying to skip steps and you're not no. trying to like take the, the shortcut or the easy route or cheat anything. You're doing it, you know, genuine. So, yeah. And I mean, each one of those is going to be a, a massive undertaking. I mean, we're talking decades, a decade probably mm-hmm. to get all this done, you know, cause I can't do them all at the same time <laughs> mm-hmm. and I still want to compete. I want, and I want to have fun, you know, the, but I found like what I'm good at. Like I stumbled into this sport and it's just like, shit, I was built for this. I got genetics mm-hmm. for it. I got the hand size for it. My body's like built for it, you know? So a lot of the stuff that, again, don't want to sound arrogant. I'm just being real here. It's like a lot of the stuff that people like struggle with the first couple of years of like, just mm-hmm. even getting into lifting. I've done all that. Like my body yeah. was just already there. I didn't have to do yeah. that. Skip that. Yeah. I was just built different, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was built for this. And so after doing this for a year and talking to high level people who are all like you, like I, two months ago, I was just, I, I didn't even know what the blob names meant. I remember I was asking you, what the fuck is Blobzilla? What does that mean? You know, we're, we had that conversation <laughs> not that long ago. Right. So yeah, yeah. when I bought the legacy from you, I had no idea what legacy meant. And now I've talked to you and Chaz and people and I, now I get it now. So I understand all that now. So when you put me on the spot and say, okay, here, what are your future goals? And I look at everything, honestly, like with where I'm at and the progress I've seen, there's no reason I can't do those things, you yeah. know? And, but now, if, it, if I if a year ago, and somehow I knew like what all those things were, <laughs> and I put down on paper, I'm I'm gonna do this. Yeah, it's bullshit. Is that I formed these goals when you sent me the questionnaire the other day. Yeah, <laughs> what are your long term goals, and I never I've never written it down because I've just been working my way up the mash monster thing, competing, having a mm-hmm. good time. I never really. I mean, I have long term goals, but I never been asked like, what are the future goals? Let's put them on paper. You know, so. It was an interesting exercise, and when I wrote them all on there, I was like, "Man, that's lofty." But, but like you said, like uh, what I've done so far leads me to believe, and has led you to believe that I can get, it, I can make it happen. So yeah. we'll go as hard as I can. Who knows? I might hit a wall, and it just stops. That's but cool. that's part of that thing we talked about earlier. Was, I mean, knowing how to adapt and switch up. Yeah, I mean, that's you solving know. problems. Ode Haugen, he's he's seventy three years old, and he's kicking everybody's ass. If I can do half of what he's doing when I'm 50, yeah. you know, like, you know, if I can, if I can progress at half the level he progressed in the next couple of years, for sure. Like sky's the limit. So I'm, I'm not going to limit myself. There are things that I do in life and sports and stuff like, like grappling, for example, like I know I'm never going to go to Abu Dhabi, right. I'm never going to go to ADCC. I'm never going to go there. Like I'm not going to yeah. be, I'm not going to be that good at it. And I, so I don't make that my goal. I make my goal like, hey, I just want to get through two-hour open mat without puking, you know, <laughs> be a good level of fitness, right? Um, yeah. You just have to be realistic with your goals. And fortunately, like I said, I found what I'm good at. I found what I'm built for. And fortunately for me, my goals can be these crazy feats, you know? Yeah. Especially like the GHP 10. Like, I want to do the block set on it. Carl closed it from parallel. And like, yeah, Carl's the, the goat right now, but you know, I doesn't mean like like saying I can do what Carl did doesn't mean I'm saying Carl sucks. Like I just I'm confident that I can get to that level. That Carl's yeah. it's gonna take me a long time, but I can work hard. I know how to train, I know my body. So 
you know, I, I think it's realistic. Yeah, I, I would agree. Absolutely. Um, now, I know you have the MM10, Mash Monster 10 written down, but just to kind of backtrack on that a little bit, we witnessed you close the MM7 here, and granted, that's going to have to, you know, pending judging. There's there's a there's a panel of judges on the grip board that are going to judge that, so yep. we can say it was closed, and we saw whatever we saw, but until the judges confirm that, you know, that hasn't been done yet technically, but we we saw it, so assuming the judges do what is pretty much a guarantee how long till you request the mm8 <laughs> so the reason why i kind of went all in on the seven even though i wasn't totally sure that i, I had it in me um i wanted to get the seven done because it's closer to the six than the eight is to the seven if that makes sense There's so you a have bigger... a kind of you, you kind of have a bigger jump coming up yeah and so i wanted to take the opportunity since there's a bigger jump and i need to put in some some training um i'm actually going to pivot and i'm going to try to knock out the three and a half cert next okay and then come yeah. back to Mash monster um because i had a goal that i wanted the three and a half done like first or second quarter of this year uh, but i got derailed kind of like on the mash monster ladder i discovered it and i was really enjoying it and like i said i want to have fun so if something's fun i'm going to keep going and mm -hmm. but now it's kind of eating at me it's like hey you set this goal and you haven't even really tried it yet so i'm going to pivot back to it i'm going to try to knock it out before the end of the year uh, and then I'll still get stronger through training that, um, that I can just pick back up on the mash monster ladder. Um, I did get hurt in May, so I couldn't do grippers for about three months. I hurt my thumb. So that also slowed me down a little bit. Um, but did that happen doing something grip related? Um, so I was going hard, man. Like I was going super hard. I was training a little too infrequently. Um, and then I went and played top golf. And I hurt my thumb at top golf, but I had done so much like damage to my hand. Like it wasn't recovered that it was just an accident waiting to happen. So it could have been anything. Yeah. It could have been top golf. It could have been throwing the garbage in the, the trash can. Right. So yeah. um, it, it just happened to be that I was playing golf and I swung and my thumb kind of turned and it swelled up and, you know, it took about three months to get right. And when you're working with these 190, like the, the sevens, like estimated like 198, rgc or something like that like i'm almost a 200 like when you're working with these crazy numbers like this shit hurts and you know i'm just glad i can't i could come back from that injury and pick up where i left off because i was a little worried like how bad did i hurt myself you know uh, but yeah. i'm not worried about that now because i just did the seven today so feeling good yeah now um is there anything uh goal wise that you think i maybe missed or uh is there anything else that uh um i, I don't I, know I, I just, I just want to touch on too, like, you know, I, I'm going to keep competing and I've qualified for world championships with arm lifting USA. So I'm going to go to Florida and do that at the Mr. Olympia. Um, okay. Just going to have fun with that. You know, I'm training hard for it. I'm going to do my absolute best, uh, but it's mostly just for the experience of being on the stage with the best people, you know, in that within that organization, they compete GSI too. Like people go back and forth. So it's not like people are dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's going to be cool. See... To you're going to see a lot of the same people on both sides. And yeah. that's, that's just how the sport is. It's just, it's going to be cool to be at a big event like that on the stage and any opportunity I get to you know, kind of soak that in, I'm going to take it. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I like measuring my life and kind of like experiences. I'm not really like a material person. So I like doing things. Yeah. Instead of yeah you, you don't want to be, you don't want to be that person that has like 
all this material shit. And then as you look around, you're just like, Man, I do. This, this, this guy has everything, but he can't tell you a single story about anything. You know, like, I don't know. You just, it's like, where's the journey? Where's the, the yeah. substance? Yeah. Know? So, and I'm not taking it for granted. I mean, I could get hurt tomorrow and it could all come to a crashing halt. So um, yeah. I'm just, I'm training smart, training hard and doing everything I can to maximize what I'm doing. And, you know, hopefully a year from now we can do another episode and have a whole bunch of more stuff to talk about. Check back in, uh, see, see what, see how high you've climbed up and stuff like that. Um, but like I said, and I, like I, we'll, we'll see where the, uh, how the heavy hands thing goes. Cause I mean, I'm going to do a recap for that show as well. So uh, depending on how, how all that pans out, um, that might be one where maybe I snag three or four people. So maybe yeah. instead of just being a one-on-one, I've done some of these recaps, but it's been like just two people. Yeah. Um, I plan on doing more, more topic discussions in the future where we maybe debate over topics or rules or talk about a historical lift or whatever, whatever, but yeah. having, you know, three or four people that way there's more voices going on. There's more, more, you know, kind of opinions happening. So if I do a recap for heavy hands, I would like to make that a little bit of a bigger recap and I might schedule something with three or four of us that were there lifting that day, depending on how everybody does and who, whose schedule allows for it. But uh, yeah, so we might get you on there earlier than a year. You never know. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, never, if, if it's a year from now, whatever you want to fine. talk, and as long as like people don't get tired of seeing me, I'll, I'll, talk, <laughs> I'll talk to you anytime you want, man. I, I love this. This is cool. But uh, with that being said, like I said, we've been rolling a good minute. Um, not too bad. Um, do you have any questions for me? Um, I always just ask people, you know, because I'm I'm kind of you know asking people, poking at them about their training and yeah. talking about what they do. Um, and actually, I forgot about something I was going to bring up with you. Um, shit. Can, you cool if, bring, you cool if I bring yeah, up one more? Yeah, yeah, thing? yeah. I got okay. a little time. Okay, sorry. I one thing I wanted to bring up and ask you was, you are um, and and I kind of overlooked some of the music aspect. Um, we talked about that the other day, kind of off the yeah. record. Um, but uh, your photography and storm chasing, you have a page where you're like chasing down these storms, and you're taking really like super high definition crazy like just badass photos yeah. now um we'll get into your reasoning for it and everything else but uh does that have anything to do with like i don't know like the element of maybe like you can't fully control nature so you're kind of i don't say you're kind of like gambling i mean are you do you like know the stuff well enough to where like you're not putting yourself in danger or is there that element of well even if i'm as smart as i possibly can be about this nature can do a lot of weird shit and stuff can go wrong so is that something that kind of like gets you motivated to do that that kind of i was like an adrenaline junkie or something yeah. but is that it's, a part of it it's both um yeah like i can do my own forecasting and stuff so i know where the storms are going to be i know where to go like i'll drive down to oklahoma kansas all over the place during storm season um i didn't get out as much as i wanted to this year like gas is pretty expensive and i got a, like a lot of mm-hmm. stuff going on with grip that's kind of I'm like, I'm all in on it. So my other hobbies yeah. are taking the back seat. but um, yeah, I just enjoy getting out. Like I grew up in Texas on the plains. So you were either scared of these storms or you were fascinated by them. And, you know, as soon as I was old enough to reach the pedals in the truck, I'd go out and, and watch the storms, you know, come roll in the town. And over the years, just learned meteorology at a basic level and understood storm structure and how things form. And um, I like photography too. So it's kind of the perfect two hobbies to blend together. Um, I like time to myself. I like being on the highway. Um, so it's just, it's an all around good time for me just to get off and get out and decompress and be by myself and in my thoughts and, and, you know, see how good I can be in the forecasting. And then can I be in the right spot 
can I get the camera configured the right way on the, you know, on the fly? Cause the light changes mm-hmm. by the second oh, yeah. you, know, you can see something and you'll miss it. So you gotta be really sharp with your camera. Um, so like, I, I take everything to like the highest possible level I can. And that, that hobby is no different than grip. Um, but I love it, man. I just love being out outside and being around those storms and tornadoes and baseball size hail and 80 mile an hour winds and all that. Like you see things that, a lot of people have never seen it, never going to see in their lives. And yeah. And I, I find that super interesting. So I, I was, I was, I'm about to kick myself. Like if, if I had gotten off of here without asking you about that, I would have probably like called you up like right yeah, away. I, um, I, I started an Instagram for it. I didn't contribute much to it. Like I wanted to this year, like I said, but it's W.X. So like just the first part of W grip dot X. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I'll give you the, I'll, I might have got that wrong. I'll send it to you. You put it in the description or something if you want. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I, 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 I can link whatever. Now, yeah. you're talking about these 80-mile-an-hour winds, you know, giant hail. Do you have an interesting uh, storm-chasing story? Like maybe one time you got a little too close. Maybe uh, things got out of hand. What, do, do, you, do you have one of those moments that's like uh, a close call, I guess you could say? Um, or what would be like kind of like the, the, the top of that? Like a, a, yeah. maybe a, a short story you could give. Yeah, I got in a spot where I I wasn't in danger, but I, I tried to sh- take a shortcut across a field um, and didn't realize how much rain had fallen uh, as the storm had gone over that way. And I was, I was trying to cut across the field to get back on the right side of the storm and be in a p- good position. And I got on these roads that were just completely saturated and washed out. And I have a forerunner, um, old one, the V8 engine. So it's got a lot of power, a lot of torque, but uh, man, I was I was out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, on just in mud. My cell phone service was gone, and there was nobody around for miles. And if I got stuck, I would have been there until the old boy came down the road in his tractor, like three days later, and seen me. You know, so I was fishtailing like crazy. Um, I was very stressed out because <laughs> I was like, I cannot get stuck. But you know, I'm just all over the place and. Finally, I had to like drive into like the cornfield, like like small corn was starting to grow because I had to get some traction. Yeah, so I felt pretty bad about that, but you know I, it was the only way I could get out. And luckily, I was able to kind of maneuver like that uh, for about ten minutes till I could get to like a more stable road. Then I, I got out, but my car was just completely covered in mud. It was hilarious. Like I pulled up to the gas station and people were just like, "You went through some shit, didn't you?" I was like, "Yes, I did." Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, that's probably the most stressful I've ever been. I'm never, I don't get in bad spots with the storms. I'm, I'm very careful about that. Pretty smart about it. Okay. Yeah. I was just, yeah, like I said, sometimes nature can be unpredictable. So but I wasn't yeah, sure if maybe be. you got into like a, a tight pinch sometime and maybe, you know, you can get that or anything. Yeah. You can get hyper-focused on like what's right in front of you, even though you were using like radar and stuff like I do in the car, yeah. but you can get transfixed to where you're like taking pictures and stuff and you don't realize that something formed behind you. That's the most dangerous thing is is that they pop up quick, man. They form in minutes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get in some bad spots that way if you're not paying attention to what's coming behind you. Uh, so I've had a couple of those moments where I've had to be racing against the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. No, de- definitely cool. Like I said, it's something I've never done. So I had to ask about it. And uh, like you said, it's putting yourself in situations where probably 99% of the population, mm-hmm. un- unless it was just a freak accident, you know what I mean? Like a, I don't know, just a, they just fell in danger's way or something. You know, they didn't choose to be there. Right. Um, they're never going to see that. 
So right. the fact that you're kind of out chasing that stuff and putting yourself in those spots was cool to me. So I had to had to make mention of it before I got too far ahead. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Yeah, that's with, uh, an interesting topic. It's cool. With uh, so with me like badgering you with all these questions and stuff. Um, do you have any other questions for me? Um, like I said, because I'm asking about your training and this or that, or what do you think? And yeah, I mean the stuff I had in mind, you kind of already answered when we were talking about the fight game and MMA okay. and all yeah, that. Yeah. So I just wanted to like know more about, and you, you gave me a good rundown of your, your background with that and how you've kind of transitioned from it and what you're doing with it now. So that's yeah. what I was going to ask you. I already answered. Okay. So I, I yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure we didn't overlook anything. Cause like I said, I mean, we, we could ramble forever. Um, oh yeah. But uh, like I said, if, if, if you don't have any questions for me, and uh, that that would cover most of the topics like i said if you have anything else man um feel free to bring it up um if not we could probably start wrapping up but man i'm uh i'm super excited that you closed the mm7 for us um took us uh you know just took us through your training took us through your first year of grip or you know where that's at how that's progressed mm -hmm. up to storm chasing like i said just uh for me, like I said, a lot of fun to sit down and talk. And uh, yeah, we kind of did the Mash Monster segment where I had Chaz breaking it down in a clip recently. You're closing this. You know, you're the ninth person to close this thing on the show, which is awesome. And then you're also getting ready to be facing me. We're going to be lifting on the same platform in a couple of days. So everything for this episode kind of just came together really perfect, in my opinion. Just the timing yeah. of everything. And yeah. It was really Super. cool how it just it was really cool how it just came together naturally. It, it was awesome. So yeah. So I'm I'm I feel the same way about it, man. So I can go ahead and uh let you go. Won't take up any more of your time. And uh man, I'll be looking forward to seeing what you pull on Saturday. And uh like I said, we'll uh hopefully pull some big lifts and see what see what happens. Yeah, man. It'll be a but, great time. Uh thanks again for having me on here. It was a pleasure to you know show off my my talent on the show here and hopefully Inspire oh, man, yeah. hopefully inspire somebody to pick them up and start playing with them and you know see how far they can take it so uh thanks thanks for your time man and uh thanks to everybody for your support um there's too many people to name but uh this is a great community and uh i'm i'm really glad to be a part of it absolutely man i feel the same way so i'll go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll sign off with that man thanks thanks to you too for all the insight all the information and just being part of the show yeah, so um, anybody needs to find him w grip that's Jalen worley so, like I said, if you're not following him, you need to be tuned in. So, see you guys next week, or like I said, see you this weekend. Um, and we'll be lifting, man. So, I'll see you, dude. Yep. Take it easy. Bye. Yep, I'll see you. Mm -hmm.